to Maximal Fire, the podcast for Princeps. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. And on today's episode, we're joined by Oliver. Hi, Oliver. Hey, Alex. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me on. No, you're more than welcome, mate. Good to have you. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Uh, how are you guys? Can't complain, although I nearly just had a little bit of a heart attack. I was just watching the England versus hung- Hungary football game, giving away a penalty in the first quarter of the game. Wasn't overly impressed by that. Ben cares nothing for that say- statement, do you, Ben? Soccer. Yeah, sorry, Alex. I'm with Ben on that one. Actually, that's not true. I kind of like soccer because of all the memes from last week where that takeover of Newcastle and uh, how the Taliban's going to now take over Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an, definitely an interesting choice being taken over by the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. But, you know. Yeah, nothing dodgy there at all. He said nothing wrong. Probably mm. like. <laughs> Anyways, very quickly, just do a little bit of business. Um, Patreon shout-outs. Um, big thanks to Matthew Derbyshire, Rob Kelly, and Nananda. Thank you very much for joining the Patreon this um, last few weeks, guys. I appreciate it. It's obviously been a, it's been a few weeks since our last podcast. Unfortunately, real life got in the way a little bit. Um, me and Ben had to had to juggle some work schedules and personal um, life issues. So sorry it's taken us... Oh, I think it's probably been close to a month now, hasn't it, Ben? Probably also notice that this isn't on the road as well, as we said the last one would be. Good point, yes. <laughs> and and largely this is actually why Oliver joins us tonight, because Oliver was Ben for a day. I was, yeah. So Ben couldn't make it to the uh, ruination of Zoth campaign weekend, or day rather. Um, so yeah, you guys asked me to step in and I was more than happy to. As you and me, I hope you took a Corsair Manipal. I did not, unfortunately. Oh, I do apologise. <laughs> I mean, we'll probably talk more about the, the tournament a little bit later on, but um, I didn't see men. I don't think there was many, Ben. I'm sorry. It's fine. I don't remember seeing one either. I need, to, I need to start doing the meme campaign again. Clearly, my uh, my preaching is uh, worn down a bit, and I need to bring back up the highlighting that is the, the, the god Manipal, the Corsair. It's, it's, it's been at least a couple of hours since you last <laughs> spammed a Corsair meme. So, yeah, get on it. But, yes... Um, the other bit of news, I guess, is uh, we mentioned in the last couple of shows that we were doing a giveaway. So uh, we, we got some Maximal Fire dice trays made up, and um, we basically offered this up for uh, random selection for any uh, patron who was subscribed at the end of September. Uh, we did the draw as part of uh, one of the Battle Bling hobby hangout nights that we do on our Discord channel every couple of weeks. And uh, big congratulations to Simon, um, also known as uh, Essex Wargamer, who was randomly chosen to be the recipient of uh, the Maximal Fire dice tray. So congratulations again, Simon. If you do have a couple of minutes and you do, you are enjoying the show and you want to help us out, um, the other way that you can do that, um, other than joining our patron, is um, by liking the show, leaving a review on places like Apple Podcasts. Every review, every... Um, rating that we get helps get the name of the show out. So if you do have just a few minutes and you do happen to use somebody like Apple Podcasts who accepts reviews, please just consider dropping us a couple of lines and uh, and maybe a, a reasonable star rating. <laughs> that would be nice. Five would be great. Um, and I guess following on from that as well, last bit of news, Discord. So we still have the Discord up and running, still going from strength to strength. Every couple of weeks, as I mentioned earlier on, we've got a... Uh, we ha- we're having a hobby hangout. That was kind of something that we were running as part of Clash of the Titans, which we are in the kind of twilight weeks of now. Um, but I think I think it's safe to say, Ben, it's something we'll probably look to continue doing. It's been quite successful. 
yeah, I don't know how regularly we do like the big ones. Like I know to start with you and me did a few ad hoc ones when we were painting some nights, which um, which we'll probably carry on doing, I'd imagine. But yeah, I can imagine like once a month or so we'll we'll have a big kind of try and have a hangout again. It's quite good fun. Yeah, uh, and every single time that I'm on one of those things, the same thing happens. I end up painting trim all night, but. <laughs> I kind of don't mind. It's a great way of taking your mind off those kind of tasks. That mm. like tr- trim for me is something I don't like doing very much. It's a bit repetitive. It's a bit dull. You know, this this might be a bit. You know, it might be controversial. I don't think many people do. What? Oh, at least I'm not on my own then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a great way to just kind of jump on if you are free on the nights that they are. If you've got something that you just want to take your mind off and switch off, have a bit of a chat, have a laugh, um, it's a great way to get through those tasks. Um, it's a great way to show off your work as well and meet other people in the community. So, shall we move on to news? Yes. Okay, well, there's been a small announcement, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess. Been a long time coming, but uh, yeah, finally. Well, technically it was announced back in February or March, January. It was implied back in, back in whenever it was, yeah. So Yeah. Great hmm. book! It's here. It's coming. We know it's going to be here before the end of the year. I hope. Uh, well, yeah, in my predictions, right? It'll be here on the 6th of November because I made the cuts of that because that would be the first week which it won't be available at the Rec to Meltdown 2 event. Uh, you're making it sound like we're in the know here, Ben. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it just, I'm doing some, I guess, I don't want to use the word guesstimating because I hate it, but. <laughs> Going how the GW release schedule works, how, kind of the patterns you kind of follow, I think it'll either be the 6th or it'll be the 20th. Because it seems to be like special weekend, core weekend, special games, core weekend generally. Obviously around big releases, I guess, fudged a lot. Or sometimes the special weekend will also have a core game with it. But I think it'll be... I think we'll get announced um, Sunday the 24th. 8th, 4th, 24th, and it'll be out on the 6th, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be Sod's Law, wouldn't it? Because yeah. we're, we're obviously running Reactor Meltdown 2, Meltdown Harder on the 7th. So if it can, it'll obviously come out on the 6th. As a TO, I'm going to be honest, I would love to include it, but actually, it'd be far less headache for it to actually play some games, get a few games behind before it's usable at an event. Because yeah. j- just in case there's another Vortex missile or something. I, I think it's too late to be including a whole new rule set potentially the night before. Oh, um, it was the night before. As I say, if anyone's going to Trent's Meltdown 2 and not see the announcement, if it's not out by the 30th of October, it will not be legal at Reactor Meltdown. Partly because I need to check lists and getting half a list in the night before an event is not going to be very good, especially as my son's birthday party that weekend, uh, that day. I'm I'm not checking those lists, so... Um, yeah, and just gives anything, you know, uh, it just gives us a chance to kind of read through and just make sure there's nothing crazy on it. I don't think there will be, but you never know. There could be another Vortex missile. Well, yeah, I don't. Th- I actually don't think there will be. Um, I, I've got some feelings towards the Traitor book, but we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's annoying for me because I play Krytos and I'm using Krytos events and hopefully they'll be good. But, no, we got, I've got... It's not announced this weekend. It's not It's not legal, basically. Yeah, I think. I think... Like if they don't do something with Krytos, then uh, I don't, I don't know what to say, Ben. I think if they don't do something with Krytos, then uh. it's fine, you know. And and the Furion's nerf, I'm gonna, it's gonna make me happy. Yeah, we've been. 
I've got to probably let people in on a little bit of a secret here. Like we've been <laughs> we've been toting this Furians nerf and winding up a lot of Furians players in our own community, saying about how there's a nerf coming. We don't actually know. We're making this yeah. stuff up. We're just they all believe it, which take, which proves my point that they're too good. Yeah, <laughs> they're all like, yeah, it makes sense. They get nerfed, doesn't it? I'm like, yes. Yeah, I think if any of the legios do, it's definitely Furians. They they need to be toned turned down a little bit. And Firewatch, they're too good. <laughs> <laughs> too late. Lawless books already out. <laughs> I have to wait for version two. The only thing which kind of makes me think that it won't is because there there's no precedent for them to for them really nerfing anything else. Like they didn't really yeah. nerf anything in the Lawless um, book. So there were some rules for clarifications, which are kind of like mini nerfs, and that's kind of I mean, I've said thing I said before. That's why I think the um, I think the or, the hunting or specs will either go up in points or will um, have a slight rewording to like be minus one for cover or minus one for long range or something. Or it won't it won't just be a flat minus one because that's I think too good personally, especially when you look at some other war war gets come out later, especially for the points. Fifteen points to get ignore the first minus one is. I mean, only yes, you can say it's only over 12. Sure, that's not really a downside. Yeah, so looking at the Traitor books, is there anything that you'd like to see? Like any changes that you'd like to see from the Legios? So I haven't actually finished a Traitor Legio yet. Um, I'm kind of 80% of the way through Laniascara, the Impalers, and mm. Rupture are manable. Um, so I'm not going to have them finished and I'm not going to play with them before the Traitor book comes out. So if they get changed at all, um, which I don't think they need changing, um, that's the only way it's going to affect me. Uh, yeah, I think Lania Scar are probably in a reasonably good place, aren't they? Like, they're, they, they're I pretty think they're solid. reasonably balanced. Yeah, I don't think any of the other Legios really stand out as needing too much uh, modifying. I think they're all pretty good. I think trouble is our group. I think we faced Furians quite a bit as our group, um, yeah. having what two Furian, three Furian players in our little group. Um, so we're probably we're probably exposed to it a little bit more than average, which yeah. is probably why we we we're so sensitive to the uh, <laughs> potential overpoweredness of them. Well, Furians was the only Legio that Ben played against for about eighteen months, wasn't it, Ben? Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was. I knew them very well. I I could do a deep dive on them without having to do any research. I think I think you're right, though. It all comes down to the local meta, doesn't it? Like Furians are pretty yeah. high in the local meta. Um, Extergamus is also something which is really common in pool. Um, mm. Like, how many was there at Reactor Meltdown? I think there was, was there three or four Reactor Meltdown? Three or four, but I, I know almost all my practice games before Reactor Meltdown were against Extergamus. And I nearly took an Extergamus myself. So I would, I think I was going to be the fourth, wasn't I? Um, but in the end, I took my Yes, work. that was it. That's why we yeah. almost had four, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've changed my Graphonicus list from being an Extergimus to being an Extergimus light. So I'm just going to swap in one Reaver to just take the two Warlords um, because it, we just seem to come across it a lot. And um, I don't want it to become a negative reaction when you uncase, unbox, put on the table, and your opponent says, what are you playing today? Extergimus. And it's you don't want to you don't want to have those negative connotations. So, yeah. I don't know if you'll get that with the Graphonicus one. I mean, I've... I've, I've... Admittedly, I only played a couple of games uh, with a. I did a three Reaver Graphonicus Extergamus, and it does play very differently. I think obviously you get the bonuses of the of the weapons, but for a start, you'll you don't have as much of that sort of strength twelve weaponry that you have access to 
with a warlord or um you know you don't have things like quake cannons which you know you've got the quake and concussion and you can boost it to strength 11 um you don't have like 12 gatling carapace shots for two heat which you can make strength seven or or that other kind of scary stuff like um you do have melters though yes uh you do have melters you make a strength 13 melter for one heat but i've quite enjoyed i've quite enjoyed sticking that on a laser to be mm. honest yeah the laser needs it definitely mm. i don't think the melter needs it as much i think we might talk about that later on won't we in our, yeah. our yeah. deep dive but it's strength 13 with the with the d10 that's pretty that's pretty good that's pretty much crystalling almost everything pretty much a three shot Strength ten laser as well mm. for one heat is also pretty pretty nasty. Um, even if you are at a minus one, it makes it like a little like a. Well, I, I was going to say an unreliable. It's not really unreliable because you're not going to take any maximum fire heat. Yeah, it's a sun fury. Like a sun fury with a minus one over sixteen inches, but mm. without the potential of rolling ones. It's, um, yeah, I think that bit cheaper too. Yeah, it's it's one of the lists I'm considering taking to the next match. Um, Meltdown tournament, but I, I think I'm going to do something different. We'll see. I'll be going back to traitors anyway. Um, the only thing I'd like to see is some Ordax changes, I think. So I don't think you will. Most of the changes were in the earlier lists, earlier Legios from Game by the, by, by the Lordist book. Um, although I would love to see them do the, be able to swap out stuff for Warhounds just so you could, just so you could have some more lists, uh, some more manipals. They, they either need something like the ability to swap out Reavers for another Warhound, because that mm. would open up a Ferox Maniple for them, which I think would be yeah. nasty. It would open up a Corsair, which I think mm. would be nasty. Um, or they need another Maniple. They need, yeah. they need to introduce new Maniples. They're not, I don't think they're getting a new Maniple, at least not in this book. But I, think, I, I agree that if just being able to swap out Reavers for Warhounds... It wouldn't open up too many more animals, but it would give you a bit of that enough variety that I think would be good. And even some of them wouldn't be usable. Like um, a Venator becomes point, it would be pointless because you yeah. need a Reaver. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people... I actually um, faced a Ordax for the first time at the Ruination of the Soth. Um, but um, I've, I've, also there's a couple of people I know on in our Discord community who, who run Ordax, and everybody's sort of crying out for that, for more of a buff to Ursus Claws. And... I wonder if being able to give them, well, yeah, I, I, I quite like. Well, I don't, they're in a better place than they were for sure. Mm. But um, I think if you were to give them a Ferox Maniple, which they could take with Ursus Claws, I think that would mm. give them a good buff. Because I'd assume you'd be getting that plus one to your dice roll when you're turning to so. legs. I'd assume so. What might work better is just having their own unique Maniple, um, just something that they can swap in a Reaver. Uh, and take. Yeah, they're not allowed them. They're only allowed warhounds yeah. or smaller. They've got the Canis <laughs> maniple. Actually, that, that's what they need. They need the smaller warhound. The uh, set was it rapier to come out. Yeah, and yes. then some maniples yeah. rapiers. That's what they need. And a, a cool like warhound rapier maniple, like the the light light maniple, <laughs> <laughs> super light. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but obviously that's not coming in the traitor book uh, the, the, the main thing from the traitor book um, I guess they've been announced uh, we won't go through the article because um, well, it's been up for a while and you know, men reading stuff on in, from internet isn't exactly the most interesting content but um, the, the main thing is it's got the, they've got the base mutations which we kind of got hinted at in the loyalist book with the null emitters and yeah. then you've got like the secondary mutations which is where I do have a feeling 
they're gonna the mutations are gonna be too pricey to do a whole, to do you're gonna be sacrificing a lot to get all your titles and mutations because um as I think um I've I've done this like when I was doing the um which one is Legia Solaria and they got their thirty five point upgrade on the Warhounds. That adds up really quickly when you're yes. taking it and two mutations looks like it's gonna be about thirty five, forty points. So yeah, I think I think they're gonna be like expensive war gear, they're gonna stack up yeah. quickly. But I still think there'll be some cool stuff you can do and some of the modeling oh, stuff. Be some like really the, um, cool stuff, yeah. The vomiting thing which clearly comes out of the head. So having like, you know, some like either flamers attached to the head or if you don't want to go too mutation y or just having like, you know, a big demon mouth coming out mm. of like a something. I think that could be quite cool. I don't I don't want to be the guy who says, Oh, I hope they're not too good, but I hope <laughs> what what I mean like Obviously, they need something cool. Like the the loyalists have got some pretty horrendous stuff. Like you know, like the the vortex. I know they often get a little bit sort of community moderated, but they've got things like the vortex, which are powerful. I don't. I guess I don't want corrupted titans to become an auto take. I for, definitely will be um, for traitors. Like I think I think they should be good, but there should always be a reason as well to opt for a, a regular. Traitor Legio, an uncorrupted Traitor Legio. Uh, I don't think I don't think there will be enough. So we've got a hint with their like power of the machines, uh, power of the machine spirit table, which is better in some ways in that it does more damage. Like if you get to attack, but also the risk reward element is a lot higher in that you mm-hmm. like you have to target the nearest Titan, friend or foe. It's going to be more of a, a possession table almost, yeah. where they, where they completely lose control of the Titan. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I. I I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's not. It can't be far away. They've done a bit of a preview, and the way these things normally work, that means it's not normally that far. I guess we'll no. see. If, if we start getting articles in a few days with like, um, here's like an unboxing of the Iconoclast, you potentially, or here's like here's the sprue, or here's the stats for the weapons, then we probably know it's coming. Yeah, very soon. Um, so just keep your eyes on Warhammer community. I guess. I mean, by the time this goes out, we might even know. It, it will be another um, dual release, won't it? So we'll hopefully hmm. get the, the Iconoclast at the same time as we get the Traitor Legio. Um, I know, Oliver, you've been yeah. holding out for an Iconoclast, haven't you? You haven't delved into it's a war master expensive yet. weekend. No, that's going to be an expensive <laughs> weekend. Um, well, when it was first released, um, the War Master, I just, I just had a feeling they'd either do an upgrade for a Siege variant or they'd do a Siege variant of it independently. And I, I just love the idea of this super heavy Titan just stood in front of a wall um, and just tearing chunks out of it and just ignoring everything, the carnage around it, because it's it's so big, it can just do that. And it just has this one task of just breaching this wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love that idea, you know, the, the claws and the chainsaw and latching on and just getting yeah. on the job. And uh, yeah, it's gonna, I'm going to run it as uh, Legio Infernus. So I painted a, up a couple of Warhounds. Cool. Um, because I don't know how expensive it's going to be, so I can't write the list yet. So I thought a couple of Warhounds is a good place to start. I reckon it might be cheaper than a normal Warmaster because combat weapons tend to be slightly I cheaper. I would imagine so, yeah. yeah. And, and um, the top weapon, I imagine, is going to be cheaper as well. So you might be able to get a Reaver and two Warhounds at that point comfortably. Potentially, potentially, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they're... Um, I think the, 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 big, the big question there is is the interchangeability, right? Yeah, I think that's still a big question mark. We've heard it from good, good sources that it's going to be its own thing, but I I hope that there's that that's not the case. I hope that to, for me it, it doesn't make sense to have two separate titans. Like I want to be able to take 
you know, one um, suzerain, I want to take, you know, a close combat weapon on the other one, or I want to take the, the Gatlings on top. I don't want to be pigeonholed into one or the other because I don't think there's enough versatility with the Warmaster. I think, you know, the two suzerains and, and the Ordnance missile launchers limited on top. Have you guys magnetized the arms? Or? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You have, yeah. In anticipation of that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I I would be, I can see them not, but I mean, at the same time, there's no reason you can't just play it when you're playing a mate. It's just uh, just swap the weapons unless the rules yeah. are really different between the two titans. I can't see a reason why not. I mean, same like if someone really wants to put a plasma blaster on top of a reaver, because reaver top weapons are just warhound weapons. There's no reason why it, it kind of makes sense. So like you know, in a friendly game, the points are all the same. Just kind of. Just do it and try it. It might be a bit better yeah. for Warhounds over a Reaver, sorry, but you know it's still the points. The points are there. It'd still be fairly balanced, I'd imagine. The the thing which makes me think they are going to be compatible is that second ancillary reactor that you get on the yeah. Warmaster, which specifically talks melee weapons. And mm. at the moment, they have no they have no melee weapons, so that ancillary reactor is pointless. If if it isn't, Forge World better be following up with some weapons pretty quickly afterwards. That's all I could say. Like, like um, you know, like a Volkite weapon or something, or Gatling or something. Just because you, as you say, the Warmaster needs it. And I think at this point, people have kind of used the plasma, the Sun Furies to the point. Sun Furies, whatever they, whatever they are, the Suzerain. Uh, Suzerain. Yeah. They've they've used the Suzerain to the point where some variety would add a lot of life to the model as well. Yeah, but we'll and see. they're quite expensive, aren't they? They they are expensive weapons. Yes, right. Seventy points each, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, if you could, if you could drop those points, they become maybe a bit more viable in smaller games, perhaps because it's, it's what a thousand points, isn't it, or thereabouts for for one model? Well, wasn't it? Wasn't it? We went to X Reactor Meltdowns uh, sixteen fifty, which wasn't done deliberately, and then someone someone tried making a Warmaster list, and it came to six. The cheapest comes to sixteen sixty, mm. so it's ten points over. <laughs> Not deliberate at all. I think we worked out you could do it if you took an all Questoris household. Oh, no, you, you can do knights. <laughs> yeah. knights, knights can do it easily, but at the same time, you know, if you want to do titans, then yeah, you, yeah, you need the um, yeah, you, you need you need the warhounds, and it just came to just slightly too many points. Mm. I think maybe if uh, for reactor meltdown three, you push the points limit to two thousand, maybe more. It's I think then you'll start seeing them on the table. Uh, 1850, yeah, eighteen fifty is covering the, the points I'm messing around with for the next one I do, but we'll see. I think there's just not enough. Been not enough. Uh, there has not been enough tournaments really to find that mm. sweet spot, hasn't it? I mean, like we, the, any point scale generally takes the same amount of time, so it's it's that entry level. What what is an entry level for people? Um, and I think that Titanicus is growing in popularity, and I think most people will be able to do you know, an 1850 or a 2000 before too long, whereas the first tournaments which were coming out, like everybody was building to 1750. and Even 1500. There's a few 1500 point uh, events I've seen around, especially yeah. post-lockdown. I think with all the war gear, 1750 has become kind of like the automatic points, hasn't it? And that's hmm. very standard points. I think we worked out you could just about take an Extergamus and a 1650. I think right you can do Extergamus 1500. Um, 1650 means you probably have to take knights as your... Um, Fourth activation, or, right, you go yeah. really, or you go really heavy on the um, upgrades. I mean, during lockdown, when I first started getting into Titanicus, I started writing a list. I wrote them all to fifteen hundred, mm. um, partly because Goonhammer, all their examples were to fifteen hundred. Yeah, I just assumed 
that was the list level. Um, it's not until I met you guys started actually playing games. 1750 is just the perfect um, level for points, I think, because you can get full mana pools in there. And I think yeah. full mana pools is when you really get the most out of um, the, the traits and the, the stratagems. So. I, I also think the there is an argument that Warlords kind of need 1750 to be... I think a Warlord could be valid in 1500, don't get me wrong. But I think 1750 is where the Warlords start being able to comfortably fit in without com- compromising list too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, it'd be a real shame if the iconic model of Titanicus wasn't usable. But also, if, if it isn't usable and obviously Warbringers have some issues, then basically it's Reavers and Warhounds and Knights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's. I think 1750 gets to the point where you... You know, every, everything is viable. Even a Warmaster is viable in 1750. Might not be great, but it is viable. The other thing that it opens up, you can do it at 1650, but it's the, it's the double mana pool uh, setups. So, you know, your two minimal mana pools, you can, you can fit that in a 1750 quite comfortable, comfortably with yeah. with war gear options. Whereas I'm trying to experiment at the 1650 and it's doable, but it's tight. Um, and it's not very much room for war gear at all you, you say that for reactor meltdown 2 i literally just took off 100 points of war gear from my <laughs> yeah. um, ignatum list yeah. so my, my list is 1650 with 100 points of war gear it works well for that level this this might also be the other thing where we try a 2000 point event or 1850 whatever just because then with the traitor book coming which is actually what we're talking about here <laughs> we've got a bit of sidetrack oh, yeah. <laughs> um with the traits, but with all those mutations, like eighteen fifty, two thousand, that would then give you enough points where you you you're not compromising list too much. You're probably still going to be an activation yeah. down on what you might probably were before, or you might have to like not rather having a warlord, you might have, to have a reaver just to free up those points. But you would still have the points better go just try go nuts with the mutations, which we think would be quite cool uh, to have a, to see what people can come up with. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Let's let's turn this boat around and paddle back upstream and get out of this tangent that we've uh, we've gone on. <laughs> um, but, but no, it's 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 good conversation, right? It's I think there's probably a lot of people listening who are getting back into the games who are like thinking where's where's the points at. Um, and although I think 1750 is probably to me the most exciting kind of level so far, I do think that there's room to push those points higher. I do think that you know 2K games. What did you play, Ben, the other week? 3,500, and it still took yeah. only th- three hours? About three and a half hours, and that was with a rain, that was, that was with a rain delay. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> How many Corsair Manimals can you get in three and a half thousand? Many. Many. Have you got that many Reavers, Ben? No, not in one army. Uh, you could probably do three. It's like two max and one min. Nice. So so you're getting close to, what, four or five minimal Manimals? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. That's that's a lot of princeps traits to keep track of. <laughs> a lot of dominant strategies. I'm going first every turn. Every single every single phase, drop another dominant strategist. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, anyway, yes, back on track. Um, the other bit of news, uh, well, it's not really news. It was announced a while ago, but it is out now, is uh, the latest in Games Workshop's series of Adeptus Titanicus Terrain. Uh, I mean, um, Aeronautica Imperialis. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, I've... Uh, I've got to say the models are very nice in hand. It, it's actually kind of exciting me to try a bit of Aeronautica, although as, I've, as you guys know, I'm very much only playing 30k Aeronautica. Yeah, and, I'm uh, going to be doing the same. I'm painting them up yeah. as 30k. I've got <laughs> I bought two box sets 
of the what's it called um wrath of angels wrath of angels yeah. yeah yeah i mean i always said i always said i'd get into ai when eldar were released um and as soon as that box came out it's it, yeah it's on my radar now i'm definitely gonna pick one up because and the thing to say to people which is i've been really happy with is i was really worried the elder were going to be rubbish because no offense but the tau suck well the barracuda <laughs> does my god Tau players must be looking at the elder points and the elder rules and crying because those El- those elder night night wings are amazing. Yeah, they're not. I wouldn't say they're unbalanced because they are glass hammers. If you hit them hard, they will die. But they can put. They're so fast. They're so maneuverable as they should be, and they've got a lot of firepower. And and the marines seem pretty balanced too, like slightly worse than thunderbolts, which probably means they're actually good. Probably means it's probably slightly too good. <laughs> Is it that the, the, was it hollow fields as well that the Eldar have, which yeah. re-roll hits or something at long that, range? That's an upgrade which does price up. Does start adding up a little right, bit. Right. Okay. Uh, generally, I find about AI your upgrades tend to be what, what? Okay, I want to take these six planes. What points do I have left? Then you fit the upgrades around them. You can get a bit more, but when you've only got two hit points, do you really want to be spending lots of points on upgrades? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. You know, I th- I think AI gets an unfortunate bad rap. I just think that they've that they did, to be honest. I think maybe misinterpret the release schedule for AI, and they should have brought this box out second and tower yeah. out third. Um, I think the release schedule hurt them. COVID definitely hurt because this was one of the first big releases that COVID knocked back a lot. Mm. It was meant to come out in April, um, and then obviously COVID happened. The end, like end of November, March, we end up in lockdown, and they start promoting like you know AI is coming soon. But also, and this no offense to anyone who loves Tau out there, I love Tau. I wouldn't really call them an iconic 40k race. No. You build a new system around, you know. Mind you, they've just had their 20th anniversary, haven't they? They have. It's crazy. Yeah. Tau have actually been Which, out. When I read that, I, I couldn't believe it. I, oh, I, I, I was. I, I remember uh, going down to my local games workshop at the time, the Bournemouth shop I ended up working in, and playing against one of the staff members when they were doing like you know, bring a thousand points of your army down and play against the new Tau when they were still when they were like the you know when. Uh, they, they, they when they used to get the stuff really early, so they had all, they had all the army painted stuff. It wasn't it wasn't out. It was like a month before it came out, and it was so oh god, it was such hype at the time. Mm. And so I, I love Tau. They're one of my favorite forty k. Yeah, factors. I'm a big fan. But you know, you, you got to do the big ones. You got to do Marines. You got to do Orcs. You got to do Elder. You got to do Chaos, and you got to do a Thunderbolt. Yeah, uh, and and Chaos is Chaos is still the massive hole, isn't it? There's still well, no Chaos. Thirty k Marines, and you kind of have to cover it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Um, What's the next box then? Chaos Marines and... <laughs> More Imperial Navy? <laughs> More Imperial Navy. If if I was doing another box, I would do Chaos and Necrons, probably. Ooh, mm. Necrons, yeah. Because um, I don't think sure. Necrons are in the original AI. I don't think. Uh, but I think you've got quite good design space there to work with them. Because they, if, they, if they're like they were in Balafi Gothic, they will, be, they will be some of the hardest ships in the game. They'll be... Mm. Card, but you won't get many, obviously. Uh, but also, I think their design would be quite cool. And the kind of problem you got is like Dark Elder. I guess they do now. You could do Dark Elder and give them some extra flyers. Uh, because back when AI came out, Dark Elder didn't really have planes, they'd use Elder planes. Uh, Nids don't really work because you can't have super, you don't really have supersonic flying monsters. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess Necrons. Um, or, go nuts, if you want an Imperial release, 
would involve making, I think, new stuff, ad mech. Yeah. Well, they've got those, what they call the ornithopters or whatever they're called now. Yeah. You could do something like that. I don't think, are they flyers? I don't know. The flyers, but yeah, you could you could do ad, ad mech. I think could be quite a cool, quite a cool little faction. Uh, they, you could really go crazy with the designs rather than just copying. Not copying. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean. Just doing the Forge World designs in Aeronautica. You could make some for you. But it's it's a fun little game, AI. Like and, uh, yeah. you know, it, it it does get a bit of a bum rap, I think. And I think we had certainly concerns that this release was kind of like the last ditch money grab death rattle of AI. And I really hope that that's not the case. I don't think it's a money grab of Death Rattle. I do, I do think the releases going forward will be different if there is more releases to come because they said there was only five factions, so we've now got all five factions they initially said had been planned. Mm. Um, and just getting going by social media impacts, it's still by far the least popular game. Yeah. Uh, but obviously the Marine stuff will work for Titanicus. If they ever do Epic, it all works for Epic. If they do at the same scale, of course... So, um, and, I, and I'm sure the Marines will sell well. Once that plastic Thunderhawk comes out, yeah, it's going to sell. Yeah. I'll be buying at least two. I'll be buying at least five? Five. <laughs> Maybe six. How many of those are going to go on Titan bases as scenery? Uh, none on bases, but they will be on the as terrain. So the, the plan All is right. I'm, doing, I'm doing Dark Angels and I'm doing Alpha Legion. So I have kind of both sides. So they're, and they're, they're, so I can use them as terrain as well as play games if them want to. Uh, then I'm going to do a Crash Thunderhawk as a um, train piece, and then yeah. I might. Uh, I think I think they might be boxes of two, going by how the cards work in the pack. So if you get, so I, I, I want two for my Dark Angels, two for the Alpha Legion. So if I'm going to get have to buy another box. I might as well do two Crash Thunderhawks. Mm. So yeah. very cool, very cool. I've already started printing off with my money 3D printer um, a bunch of Grim Dark. Um, ALS landing pads in preparation for the Thunderhawk. Um, I think that the board that I'm working on at the moment is is like a big airfield base, and that's gonna I'm gonna have at least two pads which I'm gonna dedicate for for Thunderhawks, which I'm hoping they'll be big enough, and then a couple for the Samson. But um, yeah, yeah, very cool. If they're not, you just print off another section. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like oh no, damn. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> it is just like adult Lego, isn't it, really? But um, yeah. anyway, let's move on to the events. Um, so the last of our, I guess, news for this section. So still a few events coming up. Obviously, we've spoken already about um, Reactor Meltdown 2 Meltdown Harder on um, November the 7th. Um, at the point of recording, we had one ticket which had become available. It may be still available at the point that this goes live. Going on how the tickets have sold in the past, I think it's most likely it's going to be sold out. But if you do want to put yourself on a reserve list, then get in touch with um, myself or Ben. Probably best place to get in touch is through the maximalfire at gmail.com email address for that one. Um, and then a shout out to our friends uh, north of the wall, the South Tyneside Tabletop Club. Um, they are doing an event on the 21st, which is a Sunday um, of November. They're doing return to Astalus or BA. Apologies, guys, if you're listening. Um, at the point of recording, they were half sold out. So there may still be tickets available for that. That's in South Shields in Tyneside, um, up north. And, and then we still got a handful of trade tickets available left for Beachhead uh, 2022, which is the two-day event in Bournemouth um, on February the 12th and 13th. 
Um, so if you are a traitor player, um, fancy a couple of days worth of Titanicus as well as uh, the South Coast's or the Southwest Coast at least's biggest gaming convention, then have a look at Beachhead 20. 2022 you can go on entoyment.co.uk and the tickets are available to purchase for that through that um yeah i think that's it for up and coming ben are you aware of anything else no, well yes but we can't talk about it and we can't talk oh we can't oh what the fight club we don't we don't talk about fight club no yes oh, that's an overrated movie <laughs> let's just crack on to the hobby updates anyway um I, th- I feel like it's taken a long time to get to this. I thought that first section was going to... Yeah. <laughs> if if we hadn't gone on a massive tangent about points costs of, of games, probably would have been here sooner. But um, I don't know what you mean. That's definitely in the show notes. We, oh, we're, we're normally so tight, we never go off on tangents. No, <laughs> Never go off on tangents. Um, so, first of our sponsors updates. So, first up, Grimdark Terrain have got their October STLs out. Um, it's the second part of their Gothic building set um some really fun stuff uh which is in this month's um stl pack um i saw a very cool um it's like a statue plinth which you can put like a oh, is that what you call that like a a statue plinth yeah yeah what you mean it, it is i was just enjoying watching you um struggle yeah, yeah thanks struggle right, and yeah. Worry. <laughs> um but yeah that looks really really cool and um He's also announced uh, the next in his kind of like um, kits, which he's going to give instructions for, is the Umbraculum, which is like a, a gothic armoured building. It looks pretty awesome. It looks also pretty massive. I was surprised actually how big the mausoleum was when I when I printed that. This looks bigger than that. Um, but I do have it on the download that the plan for the gothic terrain stuff is that he's actually working towards a, um, a like a full-size cathedral. Uh, which people will be able to print and download. Um, yeah, he, he described uh, Bronco described it as Grimdark Westminster, so uh, <laughs> it seems pretty cool. And it, apparently, he's had, like the the one that he's been drawing up is twenty five centimeters tall uh, by forty one centimeters long. He's going to do a print for like the sewers underneath and a little guy with uh, gunpowder. <laughs> um, oh yeah, he should do, shouldn't he? Like yeah, a gr- Grimdark. Guy Fawkes. There you go, Bronco, if you're listening. Let's have a grim, dark Guy Fawkes, please. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be a beast. Like, I think... Nah, that doesn't sound too big at all. I'm, I'm going to need to buy at least two more printers. I was going to say, you're going to need another printer, Alex. So <laughs> just, just run that by the wife. Yeah, I'm sure she'll sign off on another one. It's, you know, it's not as if she's lost me to 3D printing already. C- considering I was looking at... Uh, one of the guys was asking some questions about some... Uh, was it drop? fleet drop zone commander terrain if that would work and i was having to measure up the sizing that they had on the description compared to titans uh, i thought they were big and that westminster thing sounds like it's going to completely dwarf those <laughs> well that's nearly a foot tall yeah right. that's, that's pretty big yeah it's going to look like a hive hive spire mm. that's going to be awesome look good yeah, yeah. So sounds like something for a big game not maybe a six by four maybe not a six four yeah. by four sorry yeah. not a four yeah. by four sorry I don't know, plonk it right in the middle. You know, that's definitely yeah. a piece of warlord blocking terrain, cut, isn't it? Cut the board in half, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, very, very cool stuff coming out of Grimdark. Um, I've had a lot of fun um, printing off some of his previous STLs in the past. Now you say fun, you've been swearing a lot about 3D printing. Only because I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> when it when it works, it looks amazing. But like, it, like <laughs> the main problem with 3D printing is me. User error. Yeah. 
is also the main problem of spending like four hours waiting for print to come out to find out it's gone wrong. Well, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, um, I've had very, very few print fails and uh, w- using his pre-supported stuff. And when I have had a print fail, it's mostly been because um, something's gone wrong with the machine. So I had like a, a leak on my screen through the VAT, which caused the first fails. And, didn't, and then I realized I got like a micro hole in which I hadn't kind of discovered at the time. So every fail after that, it was just failing in the same place because of the same issue. Um, but every time I've used this pre-supported stuff, it's come out perfect. So okay. as long as you know what you're doing, <laughs> or at least you're willing to kind of learn um, how to 3D print, like it is very plug and play. How many conversations you had with John? How many? Right. Okay. So I've had conversations with John from Battle Blink, Johnny from Battle Blink, um, Brad from Goldie's Prints, um, and of course Rudolph from Grimdark. Like they've all been on. I've been IMing all of them, bugging the shit out of all of them to try and troubleshoot my problems. But super satisfied. I'm hoping. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this table fully finished for the November event, but I'm hoping to get at least a couple of tables printed for February. Let go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying, mate. It's just I need more machines. Like yeah. if I had two, if I had two Saturns, it would be much easier. But then obviously the just running costs. Yeah, but the running costs get more expensive, don't they? That's uh, fine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to speak to John and Johnny and say, when you're bored of some of your printers and you want to upgrade them, but they're still perfectly usable, there's a sponsor right here, sponsee right here, <laughs> who will happily take one of your decommissioned 3D printers off your hands. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that, yeah, moving on to BattleBling, I guess. That's the, the next in the update. So I've seen a lot of updates, uh, a lot of requests, actually, on, on the Facebook group and stuff. People asking about saying they don't like the new the, the bib for the Warmaster. Um, well, as usual, BattleBling have got your backs covered. They've obviously already got the bib for Tarot. The, the, sorry, the bib that um, uh, Artisans of Vol have released. They're now going to be adding Tarot model makers um when I say bib, like the chest armor that you can get for Warmasters, is going to be added to their range soon. Um, and the the devotional bell, which is compatible for um, warlords and war uh, and Warmasters, um, also looks super cool. I personally think that looks better on a um, on a Warmaster. Yeah, I that agree. That thing looks really cool on a Warmaster. Um, it replaces the carapace weapons on a war on a warlord, which is, I guess, why I don't. I, I I prefer it on the on the Warmaster, but it does look super cool. Yeah, it's it's, re- it's really cool, and it's it's quite a kind of old bit of war gear as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think when I when I get the Iconoclast, my plan is to have one of those on the Iconoclast. I think like a big old bell over the top, and maybe it'll go in my next Legio, or maybe I'll keep it for maybe I'll do another Grafonicus one. I don't know. You, you don't um, need two Warmasters for Grafonicus. No, I, I know. I know probably Not unless you're playing and playing like 6,000 point games. Think of the trim, Alex. Think of the trim. Yeah, oh, yeah that's a lot it's of trim. Just, it's just too much. Do it for another Legio. Yeah. Me and George, I mean, George is doing to a second Fury in Warmaster because he's nuts. But we did have the conversation. Even he agrees it's excessive. Mm. But yeah. he's still doing it because it's George. That, maybe that's a problem for t- uh, future Alex to deal with. Um, um, but of course, you know, Battlebling have had a sniff of the Iconoclast coming out, and there will be um, Iconoclast style weapons being released as well in the near future. So it's most likely going to drop kind of 
on and around the release date of the Iconoclast. But keep an eye out for that. The release schedule is still kind of up in the air a little bit and they will bring you the news on their usual Wednesday updates as soon as they know. So yet more cool stuff coming out of Battle Bling. Talking of Battle Bling, I've been painting up their um, some of their night stuff, uh, the Lancer upgrades, yes. shields and weapons, um, which I haven't seen a lot around actually. Um, they're fairly new release, I guess, but um, they're, they're fantastic. They're mm. great little upgrade kits. Um, and I've just found that they give the Lancers a really uh, heavy metal uh, kind of Dark Mechanicus vibe, which yeah. I really like, uh, especially for some of the Traitor Nighthouses. I think when we start seeing a few more of those in the wild, um, it'll kind of grow exponentially, I think. It's it's one of those sets which are, they don't have a painted image yet on their website. So I think when they start getting a few more kind of fan-submitted photos, definitely helps Um sell a few more but i think it's well worth it i really like the heads as well they've got a real kind of more roboty feel to them haven't they they have yeah and they've released one with a uh, a crown as well for a high king if everyone's doing an actual night household list yeah which is great yeah super cool and then i guess the last of the uh, battle bling updates is they're still um churning out nameplates i think there's a lot more nameplates kind of on the horizon i know that they're planning on delving into a few different systems as well outside of AT for nameplates. Um, but yeah, the, um, the they've now got two types of like traitor plates, I guess, and like the eagle plate for the loyalists. Very, very cool. Very, very um, good quality and very affordable if you're looking to kit out multiple titans. Um, so I think that leads us on to Clash of the Titans, doesn't it, Ben? I guess it does. How are you doing, Alex, on Clash of the Titans? Much better, thank you very much. October, sorry, September was was tough because I was out on holiday for two weeks of that, so it was a bit tight. Um, but I have actually nearly finished my final pledge. Um, only what day? Twelve days into into October. Um, so I am going to be well on the way to finishing my pledge. Hopefully, I'm going to get another Reaver painted because I kind of need that for your event. Right, that'd be useful. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think, what, what have I done since the last podcast? I painted... Oh, I painted uh, Hammer of Tyrants, didn't I? Yes. So I've painted the Hammer of Tyrants. I've got two Warhounds, which I've basically finished. I see do a bit of weathering, uh, whack, whack the armor plates on the model, and then uh, do the base. I'll get those done tomorrow because um, my my training's now been cancelled because I've got no childcare because my mum got COVID. So, oh, mm. no. <laughs> uh, she's, she's fine. It, it's one of those where she did, a, she did a lateral flow for work, and she's like, oh... It's positive. I'll do a second one. That's positive too. Okay. Would not have known if she hadn't, you know. What a time to be alive, um, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it means I get it means I get a day off. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna do my training. Oh well positives. <laughs> yeah, conflict resolution training. Woo. So so for people <laughs> who don't know, what's Hammer of Tyrants? Uh, that's the uh legendary titan for Krytos. Basically the only good thing about doing Krytos. <laughs> Because uh, he's amazing, so he's um, he's a warlord, as you expect. Got all the normal rules for warlords, all normal stats. Um, he doesn't suffer any heat for the maximal trait. Yeah, maximal all the way. Yeah, you have to take a sun fury and a volcano cannon on him. That's mandatory. There's no choice about that. But um, what you can do is take the upgrade, which turns any weapon into well, random is one of the weapons the maximal trait. So it could be the volcano cannon for a nice strength. 14, 14 volcano cannon, which would be pretty good. Or the missiles, strength six. Mm-hmm. Nice. Then you take the super maximal stratagem, 
Yeah. To make one of those, to potentially have strength eight missiles or strength 12 plasma or strength 16 volcano cannon. Oof. So, th- so that's the over that's the overcharged cannon strategy. That's one, yeah. No, sorry, exper- experimental exper- yeah, experimental weapon. No, experimental weapon is the one that gives. Yeah, over- experimental yeah. weapon gives one of your weapons maximal, and then so, uh, and and it's very clear they, that actually combos with the latest trash ones combo because it the wording on experimental weapon says it gives the weapon the maximal trait. Yes, and then the category for the super ma- supercharged cannon is a weapon with the maximal trait. Yes, so they combo together. So you could, and then you put it into Extergimus. Oof, behave. So you have strength ten missiles, and you're not care- like normally you would not want that to happen because you're going to no. throw ten dice and you're going to get a couple of ones, but you just don't care. No, you've put, no uh, at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I should put Gatlings on it, but I'm doing missiles because I kind of think that fits the theme for Kratos. Also, hopefully, they'll make the missile upgrade actually worth taking. So, uh, yeah, they've got some good stuff of it. Oh, see, he's got another rule. The first time he takes a critical hit, his reactor goes all the way back to green. I don't know why he's got that rule, but he does. Don't so, complain. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's basically a 35-point upgrade. It's really good. Mm. Um, and then after, I've started my War Master. So I've done all the exoskeleton for him. When I was doing the Warhounds, I did a couple of bits of armor, which I now need to stick on, so like the, so like the, the, the armpit mountings. Yes. So I did those and did the Warhound, so that when I've done all that, I can stick those onto the Titan so I can finish off doing all the exoskeleton around them, and then I'm going to do the rest. Uh, that's probably what I'm going to finish this month because I've also got some terrain to paint for Reactor Meltdown. Yeah. I've got some more MDF buildings. And then after that, I'm going to try and do two more Warlords this year. So And then I think that's basically done for Krytos. Quite aggressive, but, yeah, quite a lot to do. But I'm sure knowing... Like your track record, you'll you'll get it done. I do want to get one more reaver done. Thinking about it, I do want a fourth reaver, mm. so that might that might be done. That might be until December. But I've got other stuff I want to paint up of as well. I would, I, I've painted a lot of titans this year, and I want to mix up my yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> I, want to, I want to have a little bit of a break for painting titans. I've got some gasland stuff so I want to paint. I've got some planes for Aeronautica. Yeah. I want to paint, and I've also got some Battletech stuff I want to paint. So. Yeah. It might be a little bit, little bit of a back, and I'll probably let the traitor book come out, see what they do. Um, I'm, I'm going to do Venator, Legio Venator soon, and I'm waiting for some decals to get me made for those guys. So you know, I've got some projects I kind of need to start planning for, yeah. which probably be for after post Christmas. What about you, Oliver? How have you been doing? How have you been doing with Clash? So it started well, um, and then kind of slowed down a little bit, and I got distracted by many, many other projects. So I finished a, a Warlord pretty quickly, um, got a second Warlord almost finished, and then just, yeah, just looked around at all my other, other projects and just got distracted. You hobby um, butterfly, so you. I, I, it's terrible, honestly. I need, I need help. Um, it just, yeah, it's not gone well that way. <laughs> I mean, the, the first clash was really successful, and, and I think that's because uh, there was, what, eight of us? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were pretty much in constant contact and, you know, showing each other progress and this, and this, the second one I've just, I've just not committed to, uh, in the way I hoped I would, um, unfortunately, but, um, it, it started off a project, which I will get back to and I will complete, which I think is great. But, uh, well, I think yeah, the big difference not... there is that we're not in lockdown anymore and mm. it's not quite so easy to sort of throw yourself bodily into these sort of things when there yeah, is and... real life that's going on as well yeah. Exactly. 
I also think, although people don't want to admit it, we had a bit, we were quite strict of our rules for it. For the first yeah. one, yeah, we had that plan of uh, you must get seventeen fifty done in three months and yeah. try and get this done for the first month, this done for the second month, and try and like extra for the third month. Um, whereas I know people are going, you know, have some rules to control the fun, but it kind of I think it did help. Obviously, you can't really do that with um, something this big with like one hundred and fifty or people taking part. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a completely different thing this time. I mean, it's great. Yeah. That, I mean, following the hashtag on the Instagram, I mean, the, the amount of stuff posted on there. Is incredible. Mm. Some some of the work is just fantastic, and to engage that many people um, can only be a good thing. Definitely. Yeah. So I think the shame of not being the only, you know, being the only one not to finish the first time is what motivated me. My uh, <laughs> man finished. So. Well, it's it's all about just taking part at the end of the day, isn't it? It's it's just mm. a bit of fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, painting big stompy robots is obviously serious business, but. No, it is supposed to be fun, as seriously as we want to take it. Okay, um, so whew, this is a long section, but we've still got yet more updates to do. And then on top of this, you lucky, lucky people, we've also got our Legio Veneta deep dive, um, which is the main part of the show, which we're going to be talking about in season season in part two. Um, it was the Legio, which I think took us by surprise. Hmm. And we're hoping that by doing this, maybe it'll inspire a few more people to to dig out their spider webs and their um, Halloween tattoos and start sticking them on um, Titans. Um, but before we get to that part, let's talk about Zoth, shall we? Oliver, it's the reason that you're on the show today. Um, you were Proxy Ben. Yes. So myself and Oliver on the 2nd of October, I think it was, uh, we travelled up from Bournemouth to Cheltenham at like 6 30 a.m in the morning to drive two and a bit hours early down the road start, yeah yes it was it was quite early um was that in the middle of the fuel crisis it was yeah like literally it was like there was yeah were you worried about not enough fuel to get back i did, i meant to ask you this on the day <laughs> well no no um i but i had i had just under half a tank of petrol on, th- on the thursday night and i was like if i can't get petrol tonight then i don't think we're going to be able to go because it would be enough to get us there, but maybe not get us back. But yeah, you know, I was able to get petrol in the end, and it, and it okay. was fine. But it was definitely a concern. But yeah, we 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 set off some six thirty in the morning. Uh, tactical McDonald's um, for breakfast on the way up, um, and headed on the M three A thirty four beautiful roads that uh, connect Bournemouth with the is that South Midlands world. West Country? What is that? Like where where is uh, where is Gloucester counted as? Excuse it's me, West it's West Country. It's West Country, right? Okay. Yeah, West Country. Yeah. Come um, on, come on, Alex. Gloucester Bath. That's the West Country Derby. I don't know, do I? Like, it's part of the world. I've this is the first time that I've been to Cheltenham, and what a beautiful city it is, town, whatever it is, um, <laughs> place it is. Um, it's so beautiful, wherever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, it was very nice. Um, the parking was excellent. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, we went to Incom Gaming in Cheltenham, um, and it was one of the events run by a guy called Tom Stallard, who um, anybody who's in the Horus Heresy community may have heard of. I know he's run plenty of Horus Heresy events, and it was a narrative weekend, um, seventeen fifth. Sorry, weekend a narrative day, three games, seventeen fifty red v blue loyalists versus traitors. Uh, the idea being there was each board was themed. Um, there was about 
that it, each board had uh, had a um, specific objective um, and battlefield effects, and they also used planetary effects from the open war cards, which is the first time I've ever used the planetary effects and the battlefield effects. So it was quite good fun to do that. We should have also been doing like XP for our princeps, but I don't know about you, Oliver, but I kind of just forgot <laughs> between games, like every time to use them and also to just roll my advancement tables. Yeah, I worked out after the first two games, but for the third game, it, we just didn't have time. Um, yeah. It was a nice idea, uh, but I don't really feel it added much to the day, the, um, the XP advantage um, yeah. with the re-rolls. Um, so yeah, from my point of view, I don't, don't really think that added anything. I think but, um, it, it they were tight, wasn't it? There was three games. I don't. I think. I don't. I think the only game I only finished one game. I think out of all of those, um, the rest of them we kind of ran out a little bit of time and ended on like beginning of turn four, end of turn three. Uh, yeah, the same. So I managed to finish the first game. Um, uh, the third game we only played for three turns. Um, the second game. Kind of ended by default after three turns. Um, we probably could have played for longer. Yeah, t- time time was definitely a factor, um, and I think I, I, the, I really wanted to try out the XP format and the, the sort of princeps progression, but I, I just don't think there was maybe quite enough time in the day to be able to factor that in with actually getting like full games of Titanicus in as well. Um, it did eat into kind of like the downtime. Um, but saying that, it was it was it was a great event. It was a fantastic event. Yeah very good um but yeah my, my first game was um actually against matt from full stride so it was great opportunity uh to meet matt i've not had the pleasure up until now um it was battle of the podcasts um and matt basically schooled me in how to play um titanicus it was um it it, it, it was rough it was painful and i went home crying for my mummy but uh, saying that, he was a great opponent. I was, we had s- such a laugh with what we were doing. He'd taken a Furian's Extergamus, um, which is horrible. Um, the tracking gyros kind of coupled with hunting or specs is pretty brutal. Um, but on top of that, I mean, it's, it's the age-old story. I just couldn't roll dice for, for that game. And, um, like, it... A horrible dice roll would always be preceded by Matt saying those classic lines of, oh, you need to roll just anything but a one, mate. And then there would be a tray full of ones, which would materialise out of my dice roll. Um, but I mean, it was, I, I took my I took my um, Griffonicus Ferox Maniple against him, um, uh, which also had the, um, like, a, a, a detached... Um, Bellator Magna, who's the Titan of Legend for Griffonicus. Um But as I said earlier on, like we'd um, we were using battlefield effects and we were using planetary effects. And this particular board that we were on, for a start, it was spearhead deployment, which you would think for a Ferox would actually work really in my favour. And I deployed as far up the board as I could, but there was a huge piece of terrain right in the middle of the board, which I had to kind of negotiate round, which meant I effectively had to split my forces in two. And the um, pl- battlefield effect was something called um, unstable ground, which is every time you push your Titan to move, you roll a d10. On a 1 or a 2, you can't move your boosted speed, and you count as being affected by Quake the following turn. And 
that messed up my mana pool in a big way because even though because I, I I'd taken those motive sub reactors which allow you a free push on your reavers, mm. but because there was a dice roll every time, I was thinking, do I do I push and risk that dice roll because because it, to, but because if it affects your next turn, yeah, that's fine. You can work around that. You you, you can't. You, it's one of those things of you know you don't want to be too. Being too scared to do anything is probably, and then not doing anything. Inaction's worse than, than yeah. action. I, I did no. about I did about fifty percent of the dice rolls in the end, but I was worried that you know I'd, I'd be lined up for my oh, charge it. turn and then be quaked the following yeah. turn and and get like next to no movement. So I I wasn't moving as fast as I could. You know I should be easily able to move eighteen inches on turn one, um, and I, I was doing more like twelve, which is a big difference. Um, so that was nasty. And then there was, um, I forget the name of the planetary effect, but effectively at the end of every round, you pick a Titan and it takes D3 plus one shield saves. If there's no shield saves, the Titan takes an automatic critical hit to a random location. And that was pretty brutal as well. So it was a harsh table to play on. Obviously, he he was having the same effects, but Warlord's um, shield's obviously a bit more reliable than a, a Reavers, and it was it was a tough game for me. You know, Matt played the game brilliantly. He was a fantastic opponent. I had a, a really good laugh with him. It was really good to meet him. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fairly brutal takedown. I mean, I did manage to kill one of his Warlords, which was like the consolation prize, and Bellator Magna did survive, so it wasn't a complete tabling. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> but um, but yeah, sadly. Um, it was a loss for Maximal Fire and a win for Full Stride for that event. So, so you do know the counter to uh, Fury and uh, Exergimus, don't you? Uh, go on then, school me. Tracer rounds. You wait for them to pop their stratagem turn. Mm. They'll be smoking hot, and they'll point up to an emergency shutdown. So you basically give them the choice of, right, you, you emergency shut... It's not emergency shutdown, sorry, uh, emergency orders. No one does emergency <laughs> shutdown, that's stupid. Emergency repair. Most repairs, yeah. So you put them, you put it there. So you got the choice of right, cool. You emergency repair, and I'm going to re-roll every single miss against you this turn. Yeah. Um, um, or you have to move. At which point you can still do the emergency repair, of course, but you're now not shooting that turn. So basically, their strat turn has cost them a turn of shooting, which in some respects has reduced their effectiveness rather than making mm-hmm. them better. Yeah. It's why I've done it to George once, and it was. Um, Basically, yeah, if, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if you ever see his Furious, I'm like, you're going to be going hot. I immediately put a trace of rounds in. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, to be honest. Um, yeah, probably me, would, me would have been a good shout. Yeah. We, we, we probably needed you there on the day. Uh, I'll give you a That's so. something I know because I've played against Fury and Next Urgimus. And uh, it's, hmm. it's, they were, yeah. One of George's Titans, when I, when I played him, it was a bloody game. He just beat me, I want to say. That's where my one warhound ended up killing two. One warhound killed two warlords and a warhound. Yeah. But w- one of those, well, I say it killed two warhounds. One of the warhounds, one of the warlords, did basically blow itself up because it was so mm. hot. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think one of the things which caught me out as well was um, he he'd taken Warmaster's portion, which is round one. You can re-roll all ones, all dice rolls of one. Mm. and on two of his titans he'd taken missiles so that first round of shooting was really brutal because hunting or specs over 12 inches that indirect barrage becomes a minus one as we kind of alluded to earlier on it's rather than it being a minus two for indirect it was a minus one so he was getting a lot more hits hitting on fours re-rolling ones that first turn um i was just a whole heap weight of fire coming my way but you know it was it was very very well played by matt um 
definitely lessons learned. I did redeem myself for the pride of um, Maximal Fire. Uh, of the three games I played, I won two. Um, and I, well, this this isn't really saying much. Ultimately, it was it was a loss overall of the event for um, the loyalists. The traitors won a whopping fifteen to six. 15, I think six. it was. Yeah. yeah. And and me and Oliver between us were responsible for fifty percent of the loyalist wins. So yeah. So Alex won two of his games. So I, I managed to pull off a win on my third and final game. So not a, not a great result. It's uh. How, how did you how did you get on then, um, Oliver? Tell us about about your time. So um, I had three really good games. Um, my second game actually was against Matt, um, and the same maniple you've just you've just described. Um, I actually went into the game feeling pretty confident. Um, my secondary objective was make sure uh, none of your enemy's titans end up eighteen inches away from your board edge, and instantly just thought. That's guaranteed victory points. He's not going to get that close to my board, e- board edge. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, the uh, setup, the deployment was um, fortified position. So it was alternate corners. Um, the planetary effect was arid world, which meant um, Titans only vented plasma on a 5 plus rather than a 4 plus. Ooh, yeah. And I knew, I knew he'd be running hot. Yeah. Um, so definitely wanted yeah. uh, tracer rounds on that game. Yeah, yeah. I need I needed you there to tell me that. Then that's what I needed. Um, so yeah, I went into it pretty confidently. Um, he pretty much eliminated my warlord um, in the second turn um, because I'm taking a full mandatum. I only had warhounds and a lone reaver left, and um, the primary objective was death and destruction. Um, so I was looking at taking out 25% of his total starting points. So I was hoping that by taking out a Warlord and maybe some of his Knights, I could maybe scrape some victory points there as well. Um, but he managed to take the center of the board and position himself in such a way that I just could not get my Warhounds around the back and around the side to actually cause that damage. Um, and yeah, it was, it was well played by Matt. He just, he, yeah, it took me apart. Um, by the end of turn three, I had nothing really left to threaten him with. So yeah, it was it was disappointing, but it was a good game. I mean, it's it's that it's that Furian's Exturgeus point. It just it, like you said, the rerolls between the rerolls and the modifier to hit, and yeah, it was brutal. It hit hard, really hard, and the forty-five really degree carapace arc as well. Yeah, like, it was yeah. pretty unforgiving. I mean, it was a lot of points on war gear, but it definitely paid off. Yeah, um, but it's, it's yeah. why he has knights over the uh, war over a warhound as that for that fourth um, that fourth activation. Um, I, I personally prefer the warhound, but even if it's just with two Vulcan mega bolters to strip the shield to the war warlords and start killing, mm. the knights aren't a bad option. I, I understand why he takes them, but yeah, that that extra war gear means he he can't consider anything above Questorus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish we had more time to talk about all of the games um, that, that we that we played against. Um, I played against the Fabricator General. He's known on um, Instagram. Oh, cool. I think I think you also played against the Fabricator General as well. I didn't did, you? yeah. He was, my, he was my third game. I actually gave him my, um, uh, what's it called, the Most Sporting Player Award. Mm, um, as did I. It was, it, it was just such a fun game. Um, and it made me realise why Titanicus is such a good game. Because it, it was just it was just fun. He, he had Furions too, did he? Yeah, he was, he was running Furions too, yeah. 
Yeah, he um, had an Axiom Maniple, I want to say. He did, yeah, Axiom, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I gave him the best sporting as well. He was new to the game. I think it was only like his third or fourth game or something. Yeah. Um, but he just really enjoyed it. It was really good fun. Um, I also played against a guy, and apologies if his, I get his name wrong, I think it was Ryan, who took Ordax, um, which was super interesting because he played Ordax completely differently to how I play Ordax. Um, so it was nice to see um, kind of a different perspective and a different take on on that. I'm just seeing your little face now, Peaky. Oh, Ordax, I know how this works. What the hell are you oh, doing? Yeah, exactly. I thought <laughs> I would go in and I know exactly how this is going to work. He... he for me, I take six Warhounds and two Acastus normally in it, so I get like eight activations. I, t- I run them all singularly. I have eight activations, and my goal is to out-activation you and then basically mm. do what I want. Um, he took seven Warhounds, and they were in two squadrons of four and three, both in double canis as well. Um, so, yeah, he, he had one which... And the the four all had Ursus claws, and that was brutal. That was the first time I've seen Ursus claws actually work. Um, you know, he did like three devastating hits to the legs of my Princeps Senioris. So you um, just have to take half your Titans with them. To just have to take a lot. Um, yeah, it was it, it was it was really interesting. It was a really fun game. Um, that one was. I think the rules on that one was night. I think it was mist or night fighting or something. Basically, I could only see twelve inches unless the opponent vented plasma um, or had fired, which became very difficult again okay. as well. So I think I think my main take home was that they're as as fun as the um, the fluff can make as the, those rules can make them from a fluff perspective. Um, I guess my advice would be to anybody who's actually running a tournament. This was obviously a narrative event, so it it, it wasn't the same. But if you if you're running a tournament, it, those those rules were, were quite polarizing. I think you know to 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 your point, Oliver, that venting heat thing would have really affected you know somebody who needs to vent heat like a Furians. The unstable ground really messed up my strategy. Um, from a Graphonicus player's perspective. And so I think if you start introducing those to a tournament setting, you kind of upset the the level playing field a little bit. And although that they're fun, I think that they need to stay to narrative events or to friendlies. Yeah, I can I completely agree. I think in a friendly or a narrative event, they're brilliant. They they add a new uh, second dimension to the game, which is just I mean, sometimes turns we forgot them. Other turns we remembered them. Sometimes they didn't have any effect. Other That's turns, always going to happen. Other turns they really, really had an effect, um, one way or the other. Mm. But yeah, I think in a in a competitive um, tournament, I don't think they'd be so welcomed because you would get that one person who says, "Well, that's my battle plan out the window because I can't do a certain thing." Um, yeah, you risk upsetting someone. I think. So, so this is what, so for the campaign weekend that I'm I'm still kind of planning, which was good. We're going to do this year, but it's going to be next year now. Um, one of the things with that is obviously each planet will have an effect. So, like, you know, you will know if you're fighting on the, the Mars planet, so to speak, your vent is hotter, your, vent, your venting will be worse. But part of the strategy for the general will be like, right, we need to fight here. Which legios of you guys yeah. don't need to worry about heat as much? So, you're not, I'm not going to send my the Sturgeon's mana pool there. But oh, your mana pool, you, you know, you're, you're using melters and gatlings, and so maybe you should go fight there. Now you might come to that situation where you take it in turns, and both sides choose where they're going to attack, and then you go, okay, guys, one of you has to defend there. 
I'm sorry, your Legio is not great for this battlefield, but you know, the tactical situation means you have to defend. Mm. But you can try and part part of the campaign will be mitigating and making you know, like, oh, this is a night fighting world. Quick, let's send the let's send uh, your you know your close combat Legio. You can sneak in. You, know, you think- can run forward, sneak in because it's dark. I, I, I think the planetary effects are less of a problem compared to the battlefield effects. Um, I think if you just took planetary effects, you'd probably be okay, because some of those were like, uh, you can you get an extra stratagem point that you can use to spend on battlefield assets. Yeah. Um, which That's is kind of Mechanicum world, I think. Something like that, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, which is kind of fine. Like, the harsher rules were within those battlefield effects, and that was just stuff like mist, like unstable ground, all those kind of things, which I think were pretty heavy. Um, I would also say, unless, unless like the campaign dictates it, or we think it would be interesting, most of the, my plan of most places, most, most games would only have one effect, yeah, yeah. not two. And I've seen some of them, like, um, was it uh, Dizzy? Uh, he, they always use both the effects, and some of them are really swingy. There's uh, what. Uh, Vox Ghost, I think it is. So you're on a one on your command test. Yeah, I had that in my um, third game. We didn't actually use it, but um, we would have been using it in my third game. That that could be devastating. You know, you're on the wrong yeah. turn. You you know, you end up with how, getting put like your your combat review gets put on a charge order, not a charge order. Sorry, first fire order, or you know, your you know, it it just seems pretty it, a little too swingy. I think mm-hmm. I don't know it. it, it You've got to have the right kind of mind mentality, I think, going into all those battlefield effects. If you want chaos and you don't, you're just gonna have some fun, roll some dice, whatever. Cool. If you actually want to have a game where you're kind of challenging each other in like a more tradition traditional quote unquote war game kind of setting, then you have got to be careful with them, I think. And I think that's why it was fine uh, for the Rudition yeah. Soth because oh, yeah, for this is it, perfect. It, it, it was very much a narrative weekend. Everybody had come with the mentality of yeah. it being a narrative weekend. Everybody had come to just have fun and roll dice and and play some games of Titanicus. And it didn't feel competitive at all. No. Every person I played really to, good. every person I spoke to was was really sound, really great. I had a great time. Um, Tom ran a great event. I would definitely go back again um, if he was to run another one. Um, and Incom Gaming have beer on tap at their gaming club. Oh, so, you know, I mean, dangerous. yeah, sounds perfect to me, really. And they've also got disco lights. Apparently, it used to be an old club, or it was obviously, it used to, used to be an old club. Um, I don't know if he was joking, but there was something about stripper poles upstairs. Um, I don't know if that is the after show entertainment when you've been to a tournament or, or what, but there's certainly beer on tap. And there's certainly disco lights, but that doesn't play well for games of Titanicus. Just quickly, where's the, where's the weirdest game venue you've been to? Weirdest? Hmm. Oh. Because I've been to I've been to Mans, the Mansfield, um, I can't remember what the shop's called now, but that's in, a, that's in a converted old church. And it's an awesome venue, except for the fact it's freezing cold in the winter and they have like this giant, looks like a jet engine blowing heat around the hall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was, was quite cool though when like the the to went up onto the went up onto the old pew because almost everything's still there. Yeah. So he was like doing a sermon, effectively. Welcome all, you know. It'd be similar <laughs> with this event because Tom Tom was basically sat in the old DJ booth. You know? <laughs> it's like shouting up requests to him, you know. Like, yeah. Was, yeah. But no, it was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'll, just, despite the horrendous loss for the loyalists. Um, 
I'll take 33% of the wins for maximal fire. <laughs> and between me and Oliver, 50% of the wins, I think that's reasonably respectable. But yeah. We did okay. Gus as I couldn't make it. Uh, so definitely, if there's another one, I'll definitely try and make sure I can. As always, unfortunately, work-life balance yeah. allowing. Right, guys. Um, so I think what we're going to do now is we will take a short break um, and we will come back in part two to discuss Legio Veneta. Princeps, does your Titan need a refit? Refit, refit. Are your locomotives feeling sluggish? Sluggish. Do your machine spirits need lifting? Lifting. If the answer to any of these is yes, then head on over to Battle Bling, Battle Bling on the Etsy store. Our range of new parts, conversion kits, weapon upgrades, alternative loadouts, and a retro war gear will have your Titan ready for battle and make them the envy of any god emperor. Battle Bling, gaming accessories, bringing the bling to your battlefield. Warning, Battle Bling products may contain awesome. And welcome back, guys. So in this part, we're going to get into the meat of the episode and look at Legio Venator. We do like we do like the meat of the episodes, don't we, Ben? I think, uh, uh, yeah. I think that's a, 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 we get into the meat of the episode every single time we do a podcast. It's uh, what type of meat? I, if, if it was a meat, do you think it would be a red meat or a white meat? I guess spiders are white meat. I don't know. Or would it be a gamey meat? I I, I don't know. I know. I think Legio Vanter would probably taste like chicken. <laughs> well, go by the matrix. Doesn't that mean they don't know the tasters? Yeah. Have you ever eaten spider? I haven't. Can't say I have. No. No. Well, not knowingly, although apparently you eat something like five spiders a year or something in your sleep. Uh, in my house, that's probably closer to tw- 20 because we have a lot. <laughs> so you probably have tasted spider. You probably um, do know the taste. It's just you don't know that you know the taste. Um, <laughs> on that bombshell, yeah, let's talk Legio Veneta. So um, last episode, we obviously did our Loyalist Legio's um, tier breakdown. And it was a bit of a surprise to me and Ben that these guys turned out to be a tier one Legio, in our opinion. Um, I think it was a surprise to everyone. I definitely didn't see it coming. I think a lot of people forgot that they even existed, <laughs> or they still existed. Um, I think to your point, Ben, like massively underrepresented in um, yeah. uh, on, on the Instagram, certainly. I, I literally can't find evidence that anyone's actually collected them. No. But yeah, so... It took a bit more digging, really, than what we've done previously, um, because I didn't really know very much about them. Um, I kind of glossed over them in the in the Loyalist Legions, as had Ben, as had most of us, I think. Um, when it was really fun to kind of discover what they were all about, and um, you know, they've got a really interesting history, actually. Like, if you want to call it a history, they've always been a little bit kind of sitting on the fence, I guess, as a forge world. Is it, is it Arachnos? The, the the place where they come from, Arachnus, Arachnus, yeah. So they they defied the um, uh, the coming of the Imperial fleets, and they were originally had something like 130 Titans. And when the Imperium turned up, they said no, no, thank you very much. They went to war with the Imperium, and they lost like half of their Titans in that uh, in that conflict before they eventually um, conceded and became one with the Imperium. But there was always kind of a bit of underlying tension with them. And um, when Trite- like the Horus Heresy started up, 
Um, Legio Veneta sided with the war master, uh, sided, sided with the emperor. They went off to war, and while they were gone, um, basically Arachnus revolted. Half the Legio decided they were going to go for the war master because they wanted independence for Arachnus, and they formed the Black Shields, which are known as Legio Tritonis. So Legio Tritonis, the Black Shields, are essentially the the evil brothers, evil sisters of Legio Veneta, um, which I didn't actually know. And I know you've been talking about doing Legio Veneta, Ben, and it's made mm. me very tempted to do Legio Tritonis as my next Legio as well. I think that'd be quite sure. cool, having both sides of the uh, of the coin. I've not done a Black Shield yet. Well, I say I've not done a Black Shield yet. Legio Tritonis are the only Black Shield mm. um, currently. Um yeah, I was looking... Uh, I guess we'll see what comes out in the traitor book um, if Tritonis are included in them as well, because I wanted to do a traitor. Well, there are 16 um, legios in the book, and it would mm-hmm. it would add up if all... Fif- there's 15 traitor legions at the moment, so it would add up if Tritonis were in there as the 16th. Or they could do another one like they did with the Loyalist book. We don't know yet. But that would leave Tritonis in a bit of a weird place, wouldn't it? Not having... It would, but... I mean, I guess they kind of are traitors, because they have betrayed the Imperium, even yeah. if they haven't decided of Horus... Yeah, that would make sense. I think a lot of people are still hoping that Zabiax uh, is, is is are still going to be represented in the traitor book as well, which could be the surprise 16th. They're the biggest legio not to have rules at the moment. Yeah. As in fluff-wise. I don't think it's going to happen. And the main reason that I don't think that is it's Furians on the book cover. Yeah, there is that. I, I also think... I was trying to work this out because there was a Princeps question, which I'm... Just say, guys, we're, we're running a bit long today, so we'll do Princeps questions next time. So any questions you have sent in, don't worry. We are going to get around to them. Um, it wasn't like, make up your own Legio rules. Mm. And I was thinking about how to do Orthodox. And I kind of thought, well, the only, the way, to re- uh, sorry, the only way to do it is to represent, is to do, obviously you do the psychic powers, because they have psychic powers. And then I, I started trying to look at like the sin- Legio Sinister rules and like giving them like slightly weaker versions of everything. Mm. see if that would work and it kind of started going down this like minefield where i could understand i don't think they'd be too easy to just to represent fully yeah but anyway we're not talking about them we, we kind of touched on that a few episodes ago didn't we with the how we build them as a custom legio and there's, there's mm. quite, quite a few cool things that they could do but yeah i mean when when they released the loyalist book obviously it was metallica all over the front cover and metallica with the new legio which were announced and i think they were announced fairly early as well was uh, not initially they were obviously because there was a, a period of time they were on the cover but we hadn't they hadn't said what was going to be in the book yeah so so we didn't know until the book actually kind of was very close to release that they were definitely in it obviously it'd be a pretty bad troll move to have them on the front cover and then yeah. they're not <laughs> then they're not in the book yeah, I guess that's what's leading me to think that maybe, maybe we're, the sixteen is is the fifteen traitors and the one black shield rather than uh, I think it is know, a new traitor book. Unfortunately, sorry guys. Obviously, I would love to be proven wrong, but that's just just where my gut yeah. is at, at the moment. More, more options is always cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into the rules, shall we? Uh, we'll do our usual rundown of their traits, and uh, and and let's talk about why we think that these guys were too on Legio. So their first trait um, is loyalty above all. So within Legio Veneta, it is the duty of all moderati to defend the princeps against death itself, regardless of the cost. 
Legion Venator Titans ignore the Princeps Wounded critical damage effect. In addition, friendly Legion Venator Titans add one to the result of any combat che- uh, any command check they make while in six inches of a Legion Venator Princeps Senioris Titan. So to me, straight off, like obviously that in the first turn, I think that that second part of that's pretty powerful, right? Because most things are going to be within six inches. I think that leads it quite nicely into a dual maniple set, um, like setup as well, where you have got multiple princeps. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot you can do with it. Obviously, a, a flat buff is always is always pretty good. Um, so yeah, you, you've got some. It's probably going to be better early on. It kind of depends on the missions you've got. So um, if you've got a mission with like you know four objectives, you're probably going to be quite spread out to take all the objectives. So obviously less effective there. And also there's some Legios it really combos well with. Um, I think in particular uh, Fortidus, uh, Fortis, sorry, Regia, and kind of Mandatum. Because Mandatum, yeah. you kind of want to stay closest to the... The Warhounds want to stay closest to the Warlord. Yeah. In a, in a Mandatum, they get plus two um, to their command check anyway. So d- does that add up to plus three with this? Yeah. Yes. That pretty makes what makes it two plus? Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, warlords yeah. are going to be passing on two plus. Warhounds, yeah. Warhounds, yeah. sorry. Yeah. If they get within, if they're in six inches, obviously, mm. you might say three plus is good enough in that one. That's why I say it kind of combos with it, but yeah. it's still. I think that there's still some definitely some good use to having like warhounds very close to your warlord at that point. Well, I'm quite quite fond of kind of like a early game full stride. I was going to say that's probably the only order I consistently use on turn one uh, is full stride. Yeah. Um, yeah. It allows you to reposition, it allows you to get where you need to be, it allows you to yeah. try and start out flanking. Failing that early on with a Warhound, it, it just ruins the turn yeah. and, and, your, and your plan. So getting that plus one, it doesn't sound like much, but yeah, I think it's great. Mm, yeah. And and the Princeps Wounded uh, critical damage effect, of course. It's it's all right. You, you, don't, you tend to get hit in the head too much. It's the, probably the part of the Titan that takes the least damage over the course of the game normally. Unless you start damaging it, then sometimes it can You know, you get the first lucky hit ends up on the head, then you can start spiraling from there. Um, it's also the one I always forget what it does. It's actually one of the notes that says double check what it does. It's the one which, at the start of your turn, if you're wounded, you just roll dice and a one. Uh, the titan shuts down. Yeah, bad. They, yeah, it's bad. But is it a D six or a D ten? D ten. D ten. So it's not likely to happen, but it's still it's still not great. If you're on the last critical point uh, where you're picking up that, chances are it doesn't matter if you're shutting down or not. You're probably going to be dead soon. Most likely, yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's it's not it's not like it's not a bad thing to have. It's not going to come up often, though. No, we don't know yet how um, corrupted titans might affect command either. Um, there may be something where you need to pass the command to get off a charge order or move within a certain distance or mm. perform some other action. Um, so, you know, if, there's a, if there's a minus one or a minus two modifier from Corrupted Titans uh, mutations, then this can counter that. So I, I hope there's not, because otherwise there could be a really horrible Legio Infernus. Is Infernus? Uh, I think Convex there. I think they can give you minus two to Legio, as it is. Oof. If you get close, then there's an additional minus. That Then I'll start. When I normally say I don't respect minuses to command, <laughs> then I might start respecting minuses to yeah. command. Well, it may also push some of those lesser-used legios up if there's a bit more of a reason to take them. You know, you can build around them a bit more. Um, yeah, it's it's a good trait. Um, it's pretty solid overall. Um, the next one in the list, I think, was the one that we found possibly the most exciting of their mm-hmm. lists. Uh, so this is One Mind. 
the princeps of Legio Veneta Manipals train together extensively, learning to work in near-perfect concert until they can anticipate each other's actions nearly as well as their own. At the beginning of each round, Titans within a friendly Legio Veneta Manipal may be formed into squadrons. Each squadron may contain a maximum of two Titans and cannot include a Titan that is already part of a squadron. These squadrons last until the end of the round, and Titans formed into a squadron in this manner cannot merge void shields, but follow all other squadron rules as normal. So by that they mean the bonuses to getting off um, subsequent orders, if they're taking the yeah. same order as the first one, and the combined fire special yeah. rule. So, so there's a couple of things. I'd, this is I had a big read reread of the squadron rules because obviously every other time we've seen squadron rules, it's been two of the same titan. So currently, Warhounds can do it, and if you take the custom legios, you can make Reavers squadron. Uh, there's actually no rule that says you can't squadron any two two different types of titan. So uh, a lot of my initial list building was based around like having like a pair of warlords and a pair of Reavers as an example. So they can squadron together. You don't need to worry about that actually. Um, also, notice the S here, squadrons. You, there's not, there's not a one once per game, once per turn ability. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can, you could have two, you could have four titans, and they go into two different squadrons. Meaning you only get two activations. So uh, this is one of those. Uh, it's basically, it's basically the uh, what's it, Lupica Manipal. So this is brilliant because this is this is one of the reasons why these guys are so good. At the start of the game, you want as many activations as you can. You want to be able to counter what your opponent's doing. You want to be able to, um, you know, not get out outmaneuvered. Uh, one of the reasons I love having more activations than my opponent. As the game goes on, more activations are bad because Titans start dying and uh, you want to be hitting with as much force as you can to try and stop them from being able to activate. Because obviously you're not likely to kill Titan on turn one. You're most likely quite likely to kill Titan on turn two. Turn three onwards, that's when you want to be killing. So you can spend those first few turns with not in squadrons and then you go, right, like some like dominant strategist, right, popping dominant strategist, squadroning up, I'm going first. I am going to kill your Titans before you can do anything. Yeah. And that's where this becomes amazing. Also stuff like the double charge, being able to get mm -hmm. two Reavers to charge something at the same time before they can do anything. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a good rule. It's, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's quite opportunistic. Cause, you know, if you find yourself with two Titans facing off against an unshielded Titan um, that maybe hasn't taken any damage, you're going to be dealing effectively double damage to that that Titan. Kind of going for a coup de grace. With a bonus as well, yeah. So it, I think going in for that killing blow is, is it's fantastic, yeah. This also combos really well if the Princeps goes in there because they use the highest command in the, in the squadron. I then think you can. I, I then I don't know. Maybe the plus one would come in. Actually, thinking about it, I just kind of done in my head. I was wondering the plus one because the plus one would be on the other Titan. Yes, which then wouldn't have the highest command. But it, but even so, you know, you could squadron. You could squadron two Titans near the Princeps. He gives them plus one to their command. You get plus one to do, if you're both on do the same order. You get an additional plus one to your command. Or some Reavers are passing on the they're passing on two plus. So if you time it right, let's say you've got three Reavers going up, the the two other Reavers squadron, the Princeps is next to them, you can then get a charge order on two up. Yeah. It's it's good. It's it's this this is I mean, this and the, the next one we'll talk about, these are the two reasons to take this Legio. It's it's great. They're just yeah, there's so many possibilities to say like the double charge, just being able to combo up together. 
Also being able to do stuff like going, okay, this Warhound and this Warlord are going to come back together. The Warhound's going to shoot all its guns to strip the shields, and then the Warlord gets plus gets to go straight away with plus one to strength of all its weapons. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd never thought of it thought of it from that point of view either. But like the, if you think if you take a Regia for instance, mm. where you can sh- you share shields between a Warlord and a Warhound, yep. you get you get around that downside. You get you, you are working around that downside that, the, that they have, and you've effectively you could have two squadrons of one reaver, uh, one warlord and one warhound combining fire, still mm-hmm. sharing shields. Yeah, um, and also as it very clearly says in the rulebook, you don't need to be anywhere near each other as a squadron. If you want the combo fire, obviously you have to target the same titan. So there's some limitations with that. But even so, you could still squadron two titans. Other episodes of the battlefield and target two different titans just to activate first with both of them. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, and and very different from. Mm. I don't think there's any other legio which has this ability. To no, my knowledge, the, the closest thing is Venator. Uh, not Venator, sorry, Lupercal. Sorry, the Lupercal yeah. Manipal. But this is basically that rule on top of all the other stuff you get for your other Manipal rules. It's great. It's absolutely right. Well, now that Lupercal doesn't get the additional bonus to damage, because it used to be plus two to damage when you combined fire, didn't it, rather than plus one? It was it's, it's basically free Lupercal. Hmm. But um, obviously only two Titans, rather than the Lupercal could be as many Titans, I think it is, isn't it? I don't think that's a massive downside. <laughs> no. no, no, agreed. Um Okay, and then Legio trait, mobile force. So after the loss of Arachnus, Legio Venator found, um, found itself deprived of large numbers of heavier battle titans, adapting their tactics to accommodate larger numbers of lighter engines. Any Legio Venator maniple can select a Reaver Titan in place of a Warlord Titan as part of its mandatory components. So this is like Graphonicus Light, effectively, yeah. for this Legio. It's also the opposite of uh, Tide of Iron for Tritonus, which is quite quite nice that they've gone with. Their yes, sister, their sister legion have the heavier end, and these guys have the lighter end. So I think that that plays quite well in the story in the background as well. I hadn't considered that, but that's a very good point. Yeah, it makes uh, that's very, that's very cool. Um, I mean, obviously there is some limitations on this because it is yeah. only warlords and it is only mandatory titans. But it does mean you could take a a three reaver extergamus maniple with these guys, like you can. Um, it does not quite as good as the Griffonicus one where you could take four. Because um, you could only swap out the three mandatory. There's yeah. actually where the Warbringer being in the Sturgis, which everyone always forgets about, might actually be quite a good option. Hmm. Well, it's, it's the same with Graphonicus because you can't swap out the Warbringer for Graphonicus either. Um, no, no, but, no. But, but, but I'm saying, like, everyone always forgets about the Warbringer. Yeah. Because no one ever takes it because everyone, you know, normally, but three Warlords is roughly 1,500 points. Yeah. So by the time you've done that, you can't normally afford it anyway. And if you're playing a bigger game, you probably want the third, the fourth Warlord if you're going to up the squadron. Or if you're doing like your guys, then you might, or even these guys, you might look at going, okay, I'm going to take three Reavers and a Warlord. But it actually does mean the Warbringer could be an option. It's viable, yeah. And I think yeah. in 2K, I think if you go for 2K, um, you could basically do the Extergamus list, which I was planning on doing for Graphonicus. Uh, which is three Reavers, one Warlord, and a Warbringer. And that, I think, fits into 2K. And you could do the same thing with these guys. Well, I, I have done, I've gone through and worked out the mana pools this works well with. Obviously, Extergimuses is great, and we'll we'll cover those in more detail in a minute. Um, Fortidus, Fort, Fortis, Fortis mana pool 
is pretty strong here because it allows you to share the shields, which you can't normally do with the squadroning rule. Brings that rule in. Also, they want to be base to base with each other, which means you're more likely is to get. Is that Fortis? The... I thought Fortis yeah, the was the negatives to armor. Yes, but you need to be. But they can also merge shields. They can they? As long as they don't move, they can merge shields, and then they don't get the negative armor or something. It's very similar to that. It's it's both. It's bonkers. Um, uh, but also, they want to be base to base with each other, so that means you're more likely to get the plus one buff from the. Am I wrong on that one? You'd be a bit much reading. I'm getting really worried now. I'm sure you can merge shields. Yeah, no, you can't do the merging of the shields, but you do ignore, if you don't move, you do ignore armor or modifiers resulting from structural damage or being attacked in the rear or the flank. It does talk about overlapping shields, but uh, it doesn't hang actually... A second, hang on a second. In addition, the Titans of Fortnite ah. may merge their shields. Ah. Read to the, just read to the end, Alex. Read to the end. <laughs> So you can merge shields with that, so obviously getting around the downside of the squadron of that, which obviously means you want to be base-to-base, which then means that the command rule works better because you're going to be closer, so more times get, get, get the extra command. Um, but being able to remove the warlords and put reavers into that frees up a lot of points, so that's got some uses there. The other ones which are you, you can do, I'm not sure it's great, but you can do, you've got uh, Axiom, Dominus, Precepts, uh, and the Myrmidon, um, which are all, all right. Yeah, the Myrmidon's the two plus first fire, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure you want um, to, but you can. Yeah, I I, I think the Extergamus and the Fortis are probably the ones which you want there if you're yeah. going to be doing replacements. I think my favourite use of this rule would be uh, in a in a Mandatum. If you ran two minimum Mandatums. Swapped out both warlords. Man, Mandatum has to says war. It must be a warlord titan. It, mu- oh, it must be a warlord. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the downside. You can do it, but then you lose the benefits of the man. Yeah. The, okay. The Fair enough. It's one of those things you've got to be careful with the swap out options. Some yeah. some, of the, some of them say like like Corsair says titans in this mana pool can, so you can swap out and do what you want. Stuff like the Venator says the Reaver gets a free shot, not the Princeps gets a free shot, or you know, designated titan for the t- for the game to get a free shot. It switches yeah. the Reaver. It's definitely a common thing that people um, kind of miss. And I think mm. often, it, like when we were looking into, what was it, the Maniple of One um, trait for yeah. um, Atarus, um, Atarus, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's actually more limiting than you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so this, this hasn't got that much use, um, really. No, it, it, it does. There is. Um, What's it? Two, four, five, six. There's seven, there's seven manipals it works with. There's two I think it works really well with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were obviously talking about the Regia earlier on with the squadroning and the overlapping shields, but if the Fortis does the shield sharing as yeah. well, then that is the better manipal, I think, if that's what you want to be. If you want the Reavers, if you want to use the, take advantage of the Reaver rule, then yes. Yeah. I'd still be very tempted to take an Extergamus, but I, I don't see enough I, I don't think I've ever seen a Fortis out in the wild. So I think it'd be interesting to do it as a Fortis. Um again, some people come on to it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's plans for the future. Okay. Shall we move on to the war gear? Mm-hmm. Um so Legio Veneta make use of one shot launches that can unleash a burst of smoke that interferes with conventional vision and electri- uh, electric sensors. Electronic sensors. So, any Legio Venator Titan may be equipped with blind launches for 20 points once per game during the combat phase. 
Titan with this upgrade may activate its blind launchers. If it does, until the start of the next combat phase, apply a minus one modifier to all hit rolls for attacks made against this Titan and a minus one modifier to any hit rolls for attacks made by this Titan. Blind launchers can be activated at any point during the Titan's activation, i.e. after it has made any attacks. So this this is what you said last time, Ben, is basically a 20-point um, blind barrage light. Yeah. Which yeah. actually, I think, is a little bit more flexible than the blind it barrage. It is. And also, it's kind of better because you don't suffer the minuses. It's like mobile soft cover. It's like hmm. single-use mobile soft cover that you can take with you and use at any time. Obviously, after you've fired is the best time to, to yeah. pop that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be part of your activation. So you'd be... Unless there's some weird, very weird situation, it, it's always going to be better to pop it after you fired all your guns, so you don't suffer any of the minuses. And that's that's always better. So like blind barrage, you can blind barrage yourself. Brilliant. I minus two to hit, but I'm also minus two to hit you. Well, it, it has to be done in the combat phase, and it has yeah. to be done on the Titan's activation. So yeah. it makes no sense to not shoot. First. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm sure there might be like some really weird edge case where it might be, but. Yeah, let's not let's not worry about that. Uh, the main thing about this though is you need to be you need to think about your activations very carefully. So you probably want them to go first. Is that the best Titan to go first? There's a lot. There, there's a. It's not. That's where blind barrage is better because you know. Okay, this needs to be minus two to hit, or you know, I want to reduce that Titan shooting. It, you just know it's happened, and then you don't have to think about it for the rest of the turn. Yeah. Well, yeah, but with this one, you're right. you you need to position it right, and then you need to get your activation orders right. If you're not necessarily someone who gets their activation orders, uh, activation, sorry, and you know, thinking about it, and sometimes it's quite often find yourself going, should have done that Titan first. That's where this might not be as good for you. And this is purely defensive. Like, there's yeah. no there's no offensive way of playing this like you could do with Blind Barrage. You can't play this on an opponent to give them a minus two. You're basically, you know, to, to Oliver's point, you know, you're giving yourself that mobile soft cover. I think, yeah, if you're, if you're sat on an objective or holding an objective, um, it, it, it's not a massive bonus, but it, this could help. Yeah. Or, or if you need, you know, if you've been damaged a lot and you need them to survive to the orders phase so you yeah. can get off another... Um, emergency repair or something to get shields back up or something like that. You know, it's just that additional negative that you can give to maybe kind of add to the longevity. Yeah, which I mean, again, it's going it's to make it minus three to target that titan if you're in cover. As well, which, in is, cover. which yeah. is fantastic. But I, again, I think that's why it works quite well with with the fortis. You know, because you're not so, you know if you're in the fortis manifold, aren't you? You're, not, you're taking um, no minuses to the armor roll from being you know your, your structure or. If you're base to base, though, they're probably quite likely to shoot one of the other Titans next to you. Maybe. I have got a list for Fortis, which will uh, got some ideas of that actually. Where it does work, I think it could work with it. I'm trying to think what's the um, what's the mana pool where you can make them make command text checks to shoot another Titan. Oh, Firmus light mana pool. Firmus, that's what. So this is where this could be. This actually has some quite good use in that because you could run like a Warhound forward in front of your army. Go first of it, pop it, pop for the minus one, and then basically, every time your opponent goes to shoot you, you go, okay, please command test not to shoot him. Which yeah. I'm not saying it'd be great, but that is actually used for that mana pool, which generally speaking is a bit. Again, underrepresented. Yeah. 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 So I'm not saying that's a game winning combo, but it's actually a very good use, I think, for the blind launchers. 
Now, now that we've started talking about the similarities between Tritonus and and Venator, you can kind of see the the derivatives between the mm. two. Like I think, you know, like we said about the opposites for the mobile force with the what you can swap in and what you can swap out. The blind launches are kind of like, I guess maybe like a a, a slightly weaker Stygian veil or something like yeah. that. Again, it's that the sort of. You can, you can see the shared heritage, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, the same doctrines kind of just changed slightly for the two. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. I I I really like that. I I think that's really cool. Um, personal traits. Yeah. Um. So obviously, if you take the personal traits, there are three of them, as always. The first one, burning hatred. The princeps seethes with an intense hatred of all traitors, raging at the abandonment of the true order and vowing that all will fall before them, whatever the cost. Once per round, when the Titan's Princeps causes critical damage to an enemy Titan, the Princeps Titan may immediately make an attack with one of its weapons chosen by the controlling player. After resolving the effects of the attack, roll a d6 on the reactor overload table for the Princeps Titan. That, that's, that's, I will take that d6. Oh yeah. I, I love that. I would take that every yeah. time, given the choice. That is fantastic. There's also times it might not be that big a downside. So if you've got like one shield left, the most yeah. likely result is shields collapse. So you cool, I've lost my one shield. I was probably going to lose anyway. The only downside from this is, is single use, in my opinion. But it could, it could kill a titan. Uh, no, no, it's, it's once per round. Oh, is it not single use? No, and it's, it's once per round. So oh. you, could do the, you could technically do this every time that titan t- causes a critical damage. Uh, that might take a bit... <laughs> I mean, you're going to be causing a lot of damage to your era. So yeah. you know, what, what's the worst that can happen on a on a D, on a six on a reactor overload? Is it D three strength nine hits to the body or something? D three strength nine hits would be the worst you could get. But uh, as I said, as long as you've got eight, as long as you've got your shields up, so that if uh, another example, like if you're a combat titan, so your combat review, you've charged in, you've done your charge on a critical hit, then you immediately make another attack with that fist to potentially kill them. Yeah. You're within two inches of them, so even if it goes wrong, you don't necessarily care if like your shields collapse because you're in two inches anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're causing critical damage, the chances are that another attack is mm. you know, is likely to finish somebody off or cause unless you've obviously just caused one critical and you've only knocked it down two pips and moved yeah. it up one. Probably isn't worth doing it if you only cause one critical, unless it's like the last activation yeah. of the turn. But you know, taking taking three strength hit nine hits to the body in exchange for taking out a titan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're in good condition, if you're not already suffering damage, then it's fantastic. I mean, the parallel of this is the stratagem weapons to fall, which yeah. I find I've been taking every game. Oh, yes, you have been, haven't you? <laughs> Two strategy points, and you roll a d10 on the same table. So <laughs> this, this, this in comparison is. The safer option by far so i mean yeah no going nuclear <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the other thing this combos really well with is blind is blind uh, launchers so if even if you do pop your shields or something you pop your blind launchers after doing all their shooting and then you still minus one to hit so it might keep you alive yeah yeah again it, it might not be this uh... You've got to pick your timing, haven't you? You don't mm. probably want to be doing this when you're sat on full shields and you're out in the open. You probably don't want to be doing this when you're structurally compromised. No. But there is definitely... I mean, the fact that you can do it once per round as well, you know, if, if you lose your voids, you know, the, 
next time it turns around, you get your voids back up maybe on a on a D6 on, or by rolling a 6 and a damage control, do it again the next turn, you know. it's. You might also not want to do this if your opponent's secondary is to kill your princeps. No. <laughs> Very cool. I like that one a lot. Um, mm. That's a definite consider. If you were picking, definitely yeah. one I would pick. Um, next up is Crusade Veteran. Many princeps of Legio Venetus spend long decades fighting within the expeditionary fleets and are able to control their god engines with seemingly preternatural skill. Once per game, after resolving a repair order made as part of an emergency repair orders, the princeps may discard the order and immediately be issued a second order. The second order can be, can be another emergency repairs order. Even if a re- uh, an emergency repair order is removed in this manner, the Princeps Titan can still only be activated in either the subsequent movement phase or combat phase of that round. Yeah. So uh, that is pretty... I mean, if you're... The best you put you to this, your emergency repair doesn't work. Mm. You don't repair... Or you've got lots of to repair, so you immediately get a second repair to try and get back up. You know, like, um, let's say you're, 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 you've got the... Was it VRG, whatever, VMG, whatever is burnout, the one which means your shields don't... are gone. VSG. So you need to fix that before you can get your shields back. That could be a good chance to go, right, emergency repair, fix that, right, next emergency repair, get some shields back. Um, I guess the best use after that is split fire, because then you don't care about moving anyway. Mm. There might be some edge cases where first fire or charge could be good, but probably most of the time you're going to either emergency repair again or split fire. Is, is this something which is better on bigger Titans? Do we yes, think? I reckon yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. I think a Warlord is going to get a, a bit more out of this than a Reaver. I mean, yeah, you're really going to frustrate your opponent with a good repair roll. You bring all of those shields back yeah. on a Warlord. Yeah. Potentially for the Warlord, by the time they get to shoot again, you could have done three repair rolls because of this. And you've obviously got plus one on those first two. Yeah. Mm. From the emergency repair. Not as sexy as the no. first one, but pretty solid. Another thing... How would this combo with the Loyalist Allegiance ability, which allows you to change after the damage control phase as well? So you could do that to emergency repair, emergency repair, and then uh, split fire? No, because you can't remove emergency repair as part of the Allegiance That's ability. That's fair. So you could... I don't think you, I don't think there's much combo there now thinking, but you are right. So you could emergency repair... Split fire. First, first fire to split fire, but the problem is then you've first fired, which means you've done the movement phase, which means you can't activate in the combat phase. Combat phase. Yeah, I don't think that I think that's a normal. I don't think it works. Yeah. No. The the only options available to you would be changing from a full stride to a you know just being flexible and changing from a full stride to, or you know mind games, you know you, yeah. you could like I've I've done this before with the loyalist allegiance ability where I've gone for like a, a split fire or something and my opponent thinks I'm going to stay around here and do it and then I've changed it to a full stride and I've done a dash behind yeah. them for an objective or something like that and then they're completely out of position it just throws them off so you could do something like that but I, I don't think there's a combo there it's just more yeah no and, and to be honest if you're doing this once per game why would you do that as well you might as well just have the option of doing a slightly different one on a different turn and doing it twice. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's. I don't. Think, I think there's better uses for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. And um, the last one then, superior tactician. The princeps is well practiced in commanding titans in battle, 
and is capable of drawing up intricate plans with built-in redundancies. Before forces are deployed, when choosing stratagems, the Legio Veneta player gains plus one stratagem points if one or more princeps with this personal trait is present in the force. Solid. Yeah, pretty good. Right. Extra stratagem's good. The interesting one is they're like the only Legio, I think, that gets... Because this is quite a common warlord trait. Uh, Prince of traits. I feel like the only Legio that gets it that doesn't have a stratagem. Because mm. they don't have a stratagem. Um, it's all right. Uh, the, the, I think the next, the next thing I've got here is, like, if I rolled it, I wouldn't be annoyed. But I yeah. couldn't really ever see myself picking it. Unless maybe as against knights, because obviously you don't get... You're, you're down on yeah. stratagems against knights. I guess the other way that you could do it is really an all eggs in one basket and you take two minimum maniples to get an extra two I stratagem points. I think that doesn't work. I'm pretty sure, I think, isn't it? Well, it's, it says plus one stratagem point if one, oh, if one or more princeps. Yeah. yeah. So you only, you only have it plus one. Yeah, you can't, you can't see take lots of stress. I think it just gives you a bit of flexibility. If you picked two point, two, two point stratagems and then instead of having to point, pick a one-point stratagem, you've got that option to pick a third two-point stratagem. I think it just... Uh, yeah. Other, other than that, I don't see it as a huge... huge. I don't think you're picking it, are you? No, no, I, said, I, no. I think no. I think you are... If you're rolling on their table, because that's whatever the rules of the event you're doing, at, you're not annoyed by getting it. It's not like you're going, there's two really good stratagems, two really good personal traits and an awful one. It's not awful. It's, it's fine. Yeah. But... I wouldn't be. I don't think I'd ever pick it. If you're rolling, yeah, I would still roll on the D3 table. I wouldn't roll on the D6. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you if you the other is if you're picking, the other one to think about here. We kind of touched on it with the um, squadroning. Uh, is dominant strategist? I think would be one that you you want with these guys. You really want to be able to dictate your giving first when you're squadroning. Yeah, yeah. If you are, like you say, playing rules where you pick. Because yeah. when we were playing Ruination of Zoth, interestingly, um, that was a roll. And oh, yeah. um, after we did the Tier Legio rundown last time, um, we'd obviously done that very much from the point of view of picking. And I think mm-hmm. when you pick, you can e- you can more easily effectively min-max and get the boast out of your, um, mm. your stratagems. Uh, but certainly when you're doing a dice roll event, knowing as a Graphonicus player that I was rolling a D3 and I was getting a good... Yeah, Princeps trait, whichever one I landed on, was definitely a bit more of a boost than I thought it was going to be. Oh, no. you, That's great. In in my in my game versus Matt, I mean, obviously it didn't help me because I got mullered, um, but I I did that and I got Reckless Maverick for that one, which was pr- one of the ones I wanted to to use. But Matt rolled his and he was rolling the D six because the Furians ones are pretty terrible. Pretty he sure rolled the, he rolled the D six and I think he got the. The one where you get a plus one to a repair roll. It obviously was still worked for him, but it could have been any, any on that list, and some of them are, d- are definitely better than others. George, George actually takes that quite often with, with his um, when we picking with his Furians. I th- it worked well, I think, for his Extergamus, but he could have ended up with um, oh, what I forget the name of the other ones. There's there's a few in there which are very meh. Um, the obvious good ones like the re-roll one dice, um, dominant strategist is a good one, the repair roll one's pretty good. There's the turn 90 degrees, is it 90 degrees or 45 degrees? 40, Swift 45, killer, um, Swift killer, yeah. Uh, which is okay, but I know that there is a few in there. Um, but oh, that's, know, no, that's you, not okay, that's really good on the right Titan. You could you could, you could very easily roll something which doesn't work for your maniple, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say, rather than knowing you've got some solid 
choices on your uh, on your list. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be happy with any of those. Um, so we've touched on maniples, Ben. Um, how would you build this force then? What well, you're talking about doing them? Have you decided like how you're going to build them? So yeah, so the the, the first the first maniple I'm going to do is actually Fortis because I've never used it. And I think there's, um, I think there's a, I think there's a really strong initial build here. So, um, I think Exterjimus is obviously the clear. I think the clear one you probably want to do. Um, I think that's going to be very good. We'll come on to that in a second. But Fortis is something I've never actually seen played played with or against. Yeah. So uh, basically, what I'm looking at here is you you're going down to only one warlord. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a old style Roman going to march forward together Phalanx. and then like, yeah. and then, yeah. And then the flanks are going to shoot off. So, so the list I had was uh, basically a 1750 was looking at like a warlord with uh, poc- a pocket missile launcher, Gatling and sun fury and gy- checking gyros. You then go for two reavers with Gatlings, melters and apocalypse missile launchers could be Vulcan megabolts you wanted. And then, the kind of the flanking kind of reavers was two reavers with chain fist gatlings, Vulcan mega bolters, and blind launchers. So their basic job is to take the shield hits first, and once their shields are kind of worn down as we're kind of moving forward, is to then charge off to either take objectives or just try and disrupt the try and disrupt the opponent. They're then they're bl- popping their blind launchers obviously after they've had their combat. They're, they're squadron up, charge, and then go first in the combat phase. Hit whatever's left, pop blind launchers. That then kind of gives you that kind of situation of: Do I go for the stuff that's now harder to hit? That's been my gun. Is it now in my lines, or do I concentrate on the cent- that central firepower block, which is still going to be putting raining lots of death down? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's quite good. Um, the, the problem I've never liked the four. T- I, I'm never a fan of two warlords, two reavers as a general rule. Uh, I just don't think it. You, doesn't give you a very balanced force um, just because the way the points work out with that. So it's a force I try to kind of stay away from. But so being able to drop one of those warlords to a reaver, um, I think really opens up some good options for that for that one. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the obviously the only thing that the fortress needs to worry about is in in a game of objectives, it needs to move early and then yeah. stand its ground. Um, I imagine it'd be quite vulnerable to concussion weapons because yes. you have to be um, base to base you know you can cause some collisions um if you're not careful but obviously but you, you, you do have seven. the shields you do have the shields to soak that up true yeah yeah obviously not if you're getting hit by a power fist but like yeah, yeah. you're taking the same force uh composition as a perpetual then aren't you which is one warlord and uh, four reavers basically yeah but and i don't know i would say we're better rules mana- <laughs> yeah is that maniple straight better or uh, yeah, not. I mean, obviously, one of them you don't you you get to merge shields, which is always good. Um, mm. Generally, although even if that's got weaker, it's still good. That's still good ability. Because you remember, you don't have to merge. If you've quite happy to sacrifice one of your titans, you can keep the others alive and go. Yeah, you're you're on your own now, mate. You can take the hits. But the not if you don't move, no minuses, no minuses. Sorry, no pluses to damage rolls. Was it for for flanking? Yeah. Flanking and for and is it for actual damage as well? Flanking and damage on your track, like that's that's that's, that's good. You're going to take a while to die at that point. Uh, mm. So you know, th- those those kind of finishing weapons like Gatlings, Vulcan Megabolts to some extent, 
they're going to struggle to kill you at that. But even a Reaver, they're only damaging on a five up if they hit the body. And those pesky knights, which like to get in your flanks mm. and in your ears, you know, and 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 lay that damage down, they're not going to be getting those bonuses. No. So so there's I I think there's some quite good use for that. Um, and I said I think that's where the Lilith opens up by have, being able to drop that warlord. And uh, maybe Pinky might be something you should look out for your um, Griffonicus. Yeah, I, can, I mean I'll have enough um, Reavers certainly. Mm. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover I think with what's yeah what's good between Griffonicus and what's going to be good for Venator. Um, certainly I'm getting lots of ideas. I I think. The flip side, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how I'm going to run my Extergamus, um, yeah. and it's valid as well for, for Venator. Um, and we actually had, um, th- th- there was one Princeps question which would, um, which came in this this week, and apologies to everybody else who submitted them. Like I say, this episode has gone a little bit longer than we thought it was, and we hope to find some room to fit in some, but we'll, we'll do one. Um, Mecha Shiva, um, basically on our Discord channel, he did submit a question uh, which said, uh, what would it take to make lasers worth taking? Um, and, and I think a Griffonicus or Venator Extergamus with lasers is actually a pretty solid choice. Yeah. Um, because the way that I would do my Extergamus would probably be melters, as many melters as I could take. Um, well, at least one on, on each Titan, and then a mix of lasers and Gatlings along, along the rest of them, because the lasers can obviously lend in with the shield stripping uh, with the shield bane. Um, but then once it's actually doing damage, like, I think we've spoken about this before that strength eight is kind of a bit of a weird place for lasers or for, for weapons. It's not quite good enough. Which is why maximal fire is so good on plasmas because it ups it to a strength ten, and strength ten becomes pretty brutal but with a laser even even the laser blasters um you're rolling three dice fair you know it's not huge amounts of dice but you're on three dice okay over 16 inches you're taking a minus one but then for one point of heat with the extergamus maniple you are upping that damage to strength 10 and it becomes like a it basically becomes like a mini Sun Fury at that point, with a minus. It's it's taking a minus one at long long range, but you're not risking more than one heat, which you would do with a maximal firing um, Sun Fury. So, uh, funny you should say that. I the list I've been doing with the, the uh, with my my search was I've I've not gone not given them all melters because I think you can then have a stripping reaver with a laser. The laser kind of comes its main main gun slash, so like a laser Gatling, yeah, a laser Gatling Volca Megabolter. So you're hoping like the Volca Megabolter and the and the Gatling gets through the shield, so then the laser can get that really good hit in. But if it doesn't, you still just take the heat and you got yeah. shield bane, and hopefully you'll finish off the last few shields. Now normally that's really bad because you bring the shields, not really bad, but it's not. It feels bad because when you bring the shields and you go, oh yeah, strength eight shots, Woo. but oh no, another strength ten. I yeah. think that becomes a bit more tactically versatile. Well, even the carapace lasers, you know, I mean, they don't, they're don't they longer yeah. range. They don't take the minus at long range. Granted, they're only two dice, That's, but it's, yeah. still strength 10, like 42-inch range, is it? It's 40-something-inch range. At strength 10, it's twice the range of a Sun Fury. Granted, half the dice for one um, point of um, heat. 
I, I, yeah. I think that th th those sort of lists, I think, is where it becomes good. Um, and I know that I did have some success when I was running my traditional Exergamus with the Carapace laser disruptors, not the laser blasters, mm. uh, for that same reason. But the, the problem that they have is that those Carapace weapons are very expensive, and I would rather take 12 dice of Gatling at that point. See, that might be the one I shall take the la the, the two the four-shot laser, not the six-shot laser. That, that's what I mean, the laser oh, disruptors. No, no, so, so, yeah. Okay. Because you're, oh, yeah, I know what you're saying the 12 shots is obviously better, but if you, if you can have Reavers as your shield strippers to leave the Warlord free, those four-shot, that, that minus one at long range is always kind of annoying, so be able to get rid of that and so have four strength 10 shots, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I and I, I think that's a solid kind of option, really, for the... Hmm. Um, for the Extergamus, well, for the re for the Prophonicus or Venator Extergamus, and obviously then you also got the Venator one where you can sell Squadron, so his laser can come strength for eleven, yeah, to make them either even even better. Yeah, the, the, there's quite a good op I, the Extergamus is definitely a really strong option. I just want to try the Fortis first because Fortis first, sorry, because it's just a mana pool that I've not had much experience with, and mm, yeah, that's kind of where I am a little bit now with, with, with Titanicus. I'm, you know, that's why I've been playing lots of with the Ruptura Maniple just because it's something I've not seen. I'm not, I never played Warbringers before, so it's just quite fun to do something which is never, it's something I've just not in my gaming experience and kind of work out that Crotus probably wasn't the best option for them. But I've actually got a feeling Presagius might be really good with it, so mm. I might have picked up two Presagius War, uh, War, uh, Bringer Sue. Um, just quickly, just going back to um, the Extergamus, though, um, mm. your point about squadroning there, um, having that Melter Laser Reaver as the second... Yeah, that'd be good. You're getting a strength... Well, for two points of heat, you could get a, a strength 14 Four. Melter and a strength oh, yeah. 11... Yes, and a strength 11 laser because you're firing at the same target yeah. the second target two for the one point of heat and then an extra one for combined fire and obviously that melter might be strength might be rolling d10s with that 14 so yeah. it's probably just going to cause two criticals yeah yeah no it, it, it's got some there is some very de yeah that, that, i think that's one of the the better uses they're, they're, they're definitely the two kind of king maniples i'm seeing if you're looking at making the most out of Venator. I'd i'd really like to see you run a Fortis, to be honest, because like I said, I've not seen one before, and it's never really excited me. No, but, but, it's, but it's, this setup, yeah. I think, is makes them a bit more, bit more sexy. It, it'll be, the, it'll definitely be the first list. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's definitely where I'm going with that. Um, just to kind of round out the the other ones I have been looking at. Uh, Corsair, obviously, it's me. Of course, um, blind launches and one mind, I think, opens up a lot of options for them. Uh, over you know, being able to kind of get into sidestep, crab walk into some cover, pop pop the blind launchers, that kind of stuff. And obviously squadroning. The one downside sometimes of Corsair Maniple is just the lower strength killing weapons if the melter doesn't do the damage. Well, if you're squadroning and you get that plus one strength, that's less of an issue. Um, and then Ferox, because I just really want to try the double charge. I would say that I've really struggled to make a Ferox list work with them because the blind launchers, I think, just stop what I would like, my, my classic quote unquote classic Ferox list would be two minimum size and Ferox maniples yeah. and a banner of lancers. Yeah. Three lancers. That's kind of, I, that's my kind of go to Ferox list I did with, Mort with uh, Mortis and it did a lot of success for me. I was, I, it's a list I really enjoyed. But those blind launches, which you kind of really want, they just take up too many points for that to work. 
So kind of leaves you in a weird place. Yeah, it would be a hundred and twenty points over the two manipals if you put Monet yeah. and Tyson. And so that means you can't even take a Questorus, which is, which is two lances, effectively. Yeah, yeah, it means you can't even take a Questorus Knight banner. Uh, but so then I start experimenting with just taking a maxed out Ferox. But then that left me with like four hundred points, which means I could then take four Apostas, Atropos, Atropos Knights, or three lances and three Questorus Knights. So there were some options I could come back to from that, but it was just a little bit. It was just an awkward points level to be at. So, if you took two minimum Ferox, yep. Does one? I, I'm assuming you couldn't link the two Reavers together because they're from I two different manacles. Believe, yeah, it has been the same manacle. But you could link a Reaver and a Warhound. Yeah, but if you wanted to get a double close combat charge up, it would have to be that maximum. Or, or, or rather, yeah. a, 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 at most, two Warhound, two Reaver, Ferox. It's, it's definitely something I'd have to mess around with, I think, a bit more and probably play some games with to kind of see. But, um, yeah, you said, yeah, the double charge, it, it's just an awkward level. It's, it's just an awkward level of points. Um, don't get me wrong, like four Astropos, I think, would be quite a good banner, actually. Mm. If that gets the charge off, whatever's charging is probably dead. Yeah. But... But yeah, we'll have to. But that, that's something to kind of have a mess around with. Uh, and then I've, we've already talked about the other mana pools that work with uh, Mobile Force, which um, I'm sure they're fine. If you, if you really want to get have an order, you can pass on two up and not have the Warlord in the mana pool. It could work, I guess. Um, actually, you said that the Dominus mana pool is actually one I have been I I messed around with after conversation we had the other day, Peaky. Yeah, that's the one with the um, the Serastus or the. Um, Questorus Knights, which you can dedicate, you can reassign the hits to. So that's normally a really awkward mana pool to make the points work on, especially if you want lancers to get that extra shield save, so that you can just put all the hits on them, and their shields just take all the stripping weapons. Are you relying on your opponent failing the command check as well? To no, 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 no. If they choose to shoot, if they choose to shoot a Titan and the Knights are in the way, then minus one to hit the Titan. Hit the yeah. Titan, and. If the thing, if the knights are in six inches of the titan, they can put hits from the titan onto the knights. Oh, okay. So it's quite good. So it's the minus one to hit. That's pretty good. So you could say, oh, I'll just kill the knights first. That's probably yeah. okay, actually. You then combine that with blind launchers. So when the knights eventually die, that's when you start popping your blind launchers. You yeah. could really annoy your opponent as long as they're not uh, Furians with lots of minuses to hit. Yeah. The reassigning the. Um the shield stripping hits is yeah. is the big thing there right because, yes oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know you, 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 it's called yeah. i think it's called noble sacrifice or something but really <laughs> yes yeah, like, so like two up save game yeah really noble guys i'll take that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um, that and that and that that combo is really good so they'd start you know they because obviously you have to declare what you're shooting before you they have to care what they're shooting before you decide where the hits go afterwards so they're like going to shoot this warlord at your reaver, let's say, and the knights are in the way. First, you get the minus one. Then you go, okay, I'll take all like your eight hits from your gatlings. I'll put them onto my knights. Okay, now you're going to shoot your, your plasma at me. Well, I'll take I'll take the shield saves for that on my reaver. You really get to have your keep your cake and eat it. it it's if uh, it, if your opponent tries to do that. And of course, even if even if you fail that two plus roll or whatever it is yeah. that they they might be, a, is it can they get a two plus or is it a three plus? Yeah, they can get a two plus. I think it has to be strength six for them to a three plus. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, even if it gets past their ion shields, then those low-strength weapons still need to hit a nine, I think it is, before they do one yeah. point of damage. So Yeah, just just reading that Dominus Manifold, that, that might be the best use of it. I think that works really well with the blind launcher. I mean, so you yeah, basically definitely. annoy your opponent with this constant minus Const one. Yeah, it's constant minus one, yeah. Um, and obviously, unless they're Furians, which point they go, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Throw the rule book out. Um, so, yeah, so next up we've got painting, which I think uh, you've been working on some ideas for this, Oliver. How, how would you paint this? It's a weird scheme. So, yeah, I um, when you guys asked me to come on here, First thing I thought was, oh, I'll paint a test panel, not a, not a whole Titan, just a panel. Um, Oliver, just to see Oliver how it actually goes. doing research before a uh, um, thing. That's not, not like you or me, Ben, where we just basically wing it on the day. I've got you four pages of show notes and <laughs> for this Legio alone. It's some something changed in you, Ben, after the uh, the Legio rundown. All of a sudden, I started getting like dossiers sent over before <laughs> these things, where before we were just flying by the seat of our pants. Anyway, sorry, Oliver. That's all right. I've actually used the same um, paint I used for my Graphonicus. Um, so it's uh, Vallejo, I'll call it, model colour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's um, The code on there is uh, 70.973, and it's called Light Sea Grey. Um, so with my Graphonicus, I weathered it with Burnt Umber oil paint. Mm -hmm. um, with the Legio Veneta, I used just black oil paint. And I will post up, actually, a picture of the panel. Um, and I think it works really, really well with the Veneta colour scheme, which is that kind of sky blue, grey, um, yeah. faded black. It's almost black at the edge of the panels and almost white in the middle. Um, it's super simple, super quick, and I think it's really, really effective. Um, of course, so, just, yeah. just just swapping out that oil there, you're completely changing the, the characteristics yeah, of the paint, aren't you? A, you give it a cool tone rather than a warm tone, which is what mm. I've got in the Graphonicus, yeah. The, 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 the main thing I'm trying to work out is, so when you look at the pictures of it, the, the trim colour looks a bit odd because it looks black in places, but then it looks yeah. silver in other places. And I'm not... I, I, I would need to do some tests here. I'm not sure which colour would look better as the trim colour. Uh, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of black trim myself. I would say that's kind of a gunmetal. That's what honest. I think. But is gunmetal and two greys necessarily the best? I, I think you would need, if you're going to do that, I mean, that, that, that would just be, I would do that similar to how I've done my Graphonica chassis and just do black undercoat and then something like burnt iron by Vallejo dry yeah. brushed over the top for the most part and then pick out a few bits and in in, in, in some lighter yeah. highlights it's but, almost, uh, almost blue it's almost a blue metallic yeah it way. is and that's what they did on like the goonhammer article but i think they went far too bright it's basically silver yeah um i think as long as the panels yeah, are light enough though i think it would yeah. be all right um the other one to go through here is like it's decals so uh something i've been trying to find so uh sort of spider decals are something apparently that like or transfer sorry Something that almost no one has seemed to have done at all. Um, I've done I've done some research. I've asked historical gamers. I've asked you know fancy forty k whatever players. Um, the, the only ones I found are on eBay, and they are for actually for nails, but they are water slide transfers like we would use on our models. I think they're kind of an untapped resource to be honest. I think I've seen a few yeah. people have used like nail art transfers. Yeah, because um, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of gothy sort of Halloweeny type 
water slide decals yeah. which you can use. Like so, they're, these are for Halloween. That's that's they're very promoting them. They're they're quite cheap. It's like four dollars because it's from America. And then for the for like a set of like for thirty, which is more than you'd probably ever need on a set of Titans. Whether they're too big is my only other worry because obviously there's designed to go nails. So I did spend a bit of time getting my nail and putting it against a Titan, trying to work out the sizing. <laughs> um, but one of the big breakthroughs I did have is I found some spiderweb decals in Blood Bowl. The new Necromantic team yes. has has two has black and white spiderwebs. Uh, and they're not very commonly used. So if you know any mates who've got a Necromantic Blood Bowl team, or you said you want to do the Legion of Venator and a Necromantic Blood Bowl team, there's a source at least for like some of the smaller panels to get some like smaller spiderwebs on. Yeah. Uh, and the third use is, say, is uh, uh, my good friend uh, Fez at the Flying Fez Industries is currently looking at doing some spiderweb decals, transfers, whatever, for larger panels. That's something he's cool. currently working on. And of course, there is always the option of freehanding if you don't God, want no. to do that. <laughs> not, not with my, not with my hand. No, thank you. Um, um, but stencils as well, I guess, um, would stencil- be an option if you can yeah. make them yourself or if you can find them. So I, I've had look. There are some stencils. It was like, that was the original route I was going to go down with stencils. Uh, the thing with the stencils, and it might not be that big an issue, but in my head, it's not the way I would want to do it. Is the stencil is the spider web, so you'd have to spray the spider web color on first, put the stencil on, and then spray on the armor colors. Right. Which is not the way around. I would ideally like to. But I can understand because I was basically looking at all these small little blocks. That you've got to put on to make the spider web. So it does make sense that the way they've done it. Hmm. Um, they also look, the only ones I've seen also look quite other like the harder stencils. Yeah, so they don't, the, don't um, bend well. Yeah, they're not like the soft ones like uh, that, um, I can't remember their name. The uh, the hot rod ones that the Furians guys use. Yeah, yeah, those, those kind of ones, yeah. Where they, they can, you can bend them around and do what you want with them, like, like you can with the tape. Um, are, they, are they latex or something like that, or nylon yeah. stencils or something like that? Just to remember the name of the company, it's really no. Uh, it's Anarchy Games, Anarchy, something like that. It's I think something like that. You know, if you, if you look up like World War Two German tank airbrushing stencils, you'll come across them very, very quickly. They're just brilliant three D system. Um, they do an awesome hex one. So if you're looking at like fire wasps, they're the guys to go to. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so it's obviously I, I assume it's just not something that people do very often. That's why there's like no support for this. But uh, yeah, it was quite quite interesting little research. There, there's some little little things you can find here and there. Uh, I'm sure there must be something out there if there's like spiders on. But uh, even Blood Bowl, which is normally a really good source of decals, um, I thought maybe like the Goblin team or the um, Underworld team would have them. They don't. So well, if you if you guys out there know where you could where you've seen a few more, then by all means, please jump on our Discord channel, shout it from the rafters. Send us an email or something, or get get in touch on our Facebook page because um, I'm sure that there there must be more out there that maybe we just haven't come across. Um, so if you've seen any guys, just let us know. Um, like I say, it sounds like Ben has got his next maniple um, <laughs> painting project planned, or at least a future one planned. So I'm sure sure he'd appreciate it. It's just it's just this or traitors first. That traitor. Mm. We'll see when I get hand on that traitor book. Either way, it's going to be a, either a modelling or a painting project because yeah. it's going to have to be with, the, with these both the projects. Um, I, I just quick say, as we normally do, like the eleva- elevator pitch. Yeah, for the Legio. I, I basically say, do you want a Legio? 
which basically takes some of the best elements from everything. So the, one of the best mana pool special rules is their end rule. One of the best rules from Graphonicus with the swap out. Kind of one of the best rules from um, uh, Legia Solaria with the minus one to hit upgrade, um, which is cheaper, a bit more flexible, but also less flexible. Um, and kind of the Metallica special rule without most of the downsides and with better upsides. That's kind of these guys. Also, if you like being a bit of a hobby hipster, they will not. You will not have a mirror match. They will. I can guarantee you, you will have. You will not play this Legio against yourselves. You will be the only person. Which also is great because your opponent will go. What the hell do they do? Yeah, farm those Instagram likes as well as somebody sees yeah. something that's not been done before or very rarely done before. Now, I, I think they're yeah, so that. They're definitely, I think the play style, they're great. I'm sorry, I kind of sound like George, like, for instance, he hates the color scheme. And I kind of, I do kind of understand it a little bit. Um, but one of the great things about these lesser known Legios, you get two color palettes. That doesn't mean they all look like that. No. <laughs> you can kind of do what you want. Plus, also, there's always Crusade Legios where they change the color scheme or whatever. Yeah. And I was going to say, if you don't fancy the spider webs, I'm sure, you know, added, added some stripes in there. Some simple yeah. stripes with their black and white colours as well. Mixing it up is would be fine. Or even uh, hexes. You know, no one, no one's going to pull you up on your uh, on your colour scheme. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> Most people probably think you you made a custom Legio anyway. Even when you do turn up with Legio Venador. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could also go to town on the colours and make, maybe make them a bit more vibrant. Um, hmm. Make them stand out a little bit more. One thing I consider is they've got like bit like Pesages, They've got black and yellow as they're like Heldra Heldra um, colours. Maybe bring that onto the actual Titan a bit more, as mm. either have as a stripes or as like your tertiary colours as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that's it for our uh, Legio rundown of Legio Vanita. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, yeah, it's it's a Legio which took us by surprise and has now caused quite a bit of excitement. And I hope that if you are a bit on the fence of what you want to actually do and you've listened to this. And it's made you think and maybe pushed you in the direction of Legio Veneta. It would be great to see this Legio, which is sorely underrepresented, underrepresented out in the community, kind of get a bit more face time. Um, so if you do own any Legio Venetas, please send us some photos as well. It'd be great to see because, like, like we were saying, there's very few on, on Instagram at the moment. It would be lovely to see a few more examples of how you've done it. But yeah, I think that's more or less wraps it up for this week, doesn't it, guys? I can't figure anything else Thanks to say. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first off, thank you very much, Oliver, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. Um, and yeah, um, if you've got any um, questions or if you want to kind of uh, get in touch with us, please feel free to do so. You can either jump on our Discord channel or you can send us an email at maximalfire um, at, at gmail.com. Um, obviously, our Instagram as well, maximal.fire. Um, and our, we have our Facebook page as well. Um, if you want to check out some of uh, Oliver's work on Instagram, um, I'm not going to try and do it because I always get the numbers wrong. Oliver, what's your Instagram? Uh, it's at jarringwolf664. And we will add his um, deta- uh, his Instagram details into our show note descriptions um, tonight. Um, so, yeah, do check him out. Um, he wants to farm those extra follows, um, yeah. obviously. That's, that's the only reason he's come on today is to try and get a few more followers on Instagram because he needs the help. Uh, uh, but yeah um, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, thank you very much again for listening, guys. If you do want to support the show, please do consider checking out our Patreon. Um, you can get, um, as well as getting a nice, fancy, different role within our um, Discord channel and access to a secret Patreon-only channel, you also, at the £3 and £5 tiers, can get access to a 10% discount from BattleBling if you are a purveyor of their goods. Um, but everything does add up for us, every little bit that people contribute um, does help with the running of our shows. Me and Ben are starting to progress our Stage 2 Maximal Fire plans. Um, we're hoping that next year we might be able to start putting out some additional type of content. So on top of doing the podcast, you know, you never know, we might do a few um, Twitch streams or we might start doing some battle reports. We'll just have to see which way the wind blows and um, if we can get together everything that we need to start doing that. Um, but it's exciting times here at Maximal Fire. And yeah, if you are interested um, in partaking in any tournaments on the south coast do check out our events as well like i say five tickets left for beachhead for the traitors um so if you're potentially interested in that do check out entoyment.co.uk who is hosting the event with that all said thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you again next time and always remember to go big go loud and go maximal